0: What is up, Conscious Monkeys? Welcome to another episode of Traveling to Consciousness. I am your host, Clayton Kideri. And today, I am joined by a little bit more of an unusual guest, someone who isn't specifically in the spirituality space, but he has used his consciousness and awareness of psychology for financial gains in a realm that we all need to be conscious of. Um, he has counted over millions of dollars from what I've seen online, and we'll see if that's, uh, accurate by John's story and, and, you know, he did his time and now we're going to figure out how it's done. And so for us to dive into that world, let's all welcome John Bo, Boziak to, to the traveling consciousness podcast. So John, what's up? Thanks for being here.
1: Hey Clayton. Thanks for having me. So did I, so did I get that right. Was it millions of dollars? Uh, Roughly. Yeah. Roughly 3.5, give or take.
0: Dang. So let's, I always start off at the beginning. I always am fascinated Mm -hmm. with people and how they get on their life's path because it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. What was the first thing you wanted to be whenever you grew up? Was there, um, you know, maybe a teacher, a parental figure, a parent who asked you that question when you were young?
1: No, no. Uh, there weren't wasn't too many uh discussions being had um in my youth about what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh you know, the influences uh that I uh, that were predominant in my life uh, from a very young age weren't uh, necessarily the most positive. Um, you know, so I I I picked up a lot of bad habits uh growing up. Um you know, they say that the first seven years of a child's life is some, you know, the most important, uh, it's when they're psych soaking up a lot of knowledge and a lot of behavioral patterns that are, that are, you know, going to produce whatever fruits they're going to produce later on down the line. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately that some of the things that I picked up, uh, in that period of time, uh, weren't the best, I think. Yeah.
0: That's something that I know we've discussed on here before is like that, you know, that, that developmental stage of a child's life is so impactful. I think it was uh, some some religious group that they talked about how, uh, give me a boy between the ages of zero and seven, and I'll make him a man. And the whole premise is, is, that like you, you shape your form of the world and your understanding of reality from those early years.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree with that.
0: For sure. So I, I mean, what were like, some of those things that like you think occurred that set you down this path in life
1: uh well, I'd have to say, maybe there was just a lot of chaos uh, i I think uh early on in my life um, moved a lot uh, my mother was you know a single parent, worked two jobs, and <clears throat> you know I was lucky in I think the aspect that i didn't really I didn't really experience a whole lot of abuse as a child. And I know that's you know, prevalent through a lot, a lot of people's lives, but I just, I didn't experience that. You know, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, physical abuse or mental abuse or drug abuse or none of that. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful that, you know, my mother, um, she was never, you know, like a real hardcore, uh, drug addict or alcoholic or anything like that. <clears throat> and I kind of feel like she always tried to do her best job, um, kind of raising me and my little brother, but it was just like, she couldn't be there. Yeah. You know, um and the the so the people who were there weren't always necessarily um uh, you know the best people to have around you know my uncles uh both of which were you know were, were maniacs uh, you know just drinking a lot partying a lot you know so I've seen a lot of a lot of real wild shit growing up as a kid you know a lot of real wild parties and uh conversations conversations that that went on um that you know I probably shouldn't have been around you know and that just helped it affected my worldview. It shaped my, you know, my, my view of the world and how I associate it with people and how I, you know, processed information. I think that's,
0: I mean, super fascinating. And I'm really interested in seeing how you kind of made that shift, you know, in your life and how you were able to evaluate that. But before we jump into that, I think it would be sure. super helpful or like to get a little bit of a timeline of, um, you know, since this is kind of about, you know, money, where Mm -hmm. was like your first viewpoint of like how I'm going to make money or what was kind of like your mindset in relation to money and how you were going to navigate this, this wild and crazy world.
1: Just throughout life, you mean my journey of, you know, financial. I mean, Um, like at
0: the beginning, right? Like when was, do you have like a memory of maybe the first time you thought like, I need money or, you know how am I gonna? Oh yeah, yeah get that stuff. They get that ball oh, yeah. rolling.
1: Of course, yeah. You know, I, I didn't. I grew up poor, but I, I didn't realize it until I was a teenager. You know, okay. because you, as you're a kid, you're innocent. You don't, you know, you don't really, you don't understand anything. But when I became a teenager and, and I started going to high school and I started seeing kids who have stuff, you know what I mean. And then there was kids who didn't have shit. There's like a, c- you know, and a, a I just comparison game. Be, yeah and that's what really opened my eyes to okay how is how is this going on and then okay, kids had rich parents, and then I found out about you know uh how much people's parents make and as a, in relation to how much my mother had made and you know where I grew up and then you know you start man that started my my relationship with with money you know i just it just started as I didn't want to be uh ostracized by my peer group. Um, you know, I didn't want to be the one, I didn't want to be the kid being picked on for having the, the bummy, the bummy clothes and stuff, you know? So was it, and you know, my mother, she couldn't buy any of that stuff for me. You know, my mom, she paid the bills and you know, we ate, um, but there wasn't a whole lot of extra,
0: right? I mean, I, you know, know, just from the little, or I guess the awareness that I have with, you know, single mother, you know, upbringings, it's it's crazy how difficult it is. I mean, you know, God bless your mom for being able to, yeah. you know, get two kids, uh, two kids going, I guess. Um, and so that's, you know, crazy in and of itself. And so did yeah. you find like, there was like this pressure where you needed to kind of help out your mom in in the financial regards of things or?
1: No, not so much. I, um, I was more selfish, I guess. Like I just wanted the nice clothes and I wanted a new bike, and I wanted to go skating every weekend, and I wanted to go hang out at the mall. You know what I mean? Like, because this may sound crazy, but I was never taught that to help my mom pay bills, or you know, that just I I was never never taught that. I was never taught that value. You know, my mother just wasn't around, and the people that I were around, uh, they just weren't teaching me those kinds of values. You know, so I just. I just became selfish at a very young age. Um, well, I mean, and you, you know, know I,
0: to cut yourself some slack, like I feel like we all, at least at some level, go through that. And maybe some people just continuously go through that where it's a very egocentric, me orientated, like, where am I? How yeah. am I going to be perceived? Where's that next? How am I going to get to X thousand followers? How am I? You know, yeah. it's all about me. You yeah. Know?
1: Yeah, a lot of that, you know, and then a lot of that just develops into like a severe narcissism later on in life, right? Uh, unfortunately, you know, but I think that's where it, that's where it starts at, uh, you know, in childhood. And if that's not checked, or you know, some kind of consequences come that you don't learn from, you know, throughout your journey, then later on in life, that just becomes very difficult to overcome.
0: Yeah, and it's reminding me kind of of like a a big thing. I trained jujitsu, and it is insane. Like you, you go in there knowing something, but like if you're going up a kid that's like 16 years old and he's been training since he was two, you know, he'll put you in a pretzel and you're like, it'll really put your ego in line. Cause you're like, you know, yeah. you, you come to realize like we all have these different beginnings, these different, you know, we're all at different places in our journey and whether it's with jujitsu or finances or intelligence, yeah. Yeah. it, it like, it really shows you, you know, when your ego is coming into play and you're doing things for selfish reasons. Yeah. Um so whenever you were I guess so when wh- how did you make let's say this how did you make your first buck was it through nefarious activities or was it yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was um I remember I used to uh I remember watching that movie New Jersey Drive and I'm not I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. I'm not. Um but it's uh back in like the late 80s early 90s New Jersey was the uh the car theft capital in America. You know, and uh, there was a car stolen like every five or six seconds or something like that that in New Jersey. Yeah, it was it was an epidemic. And uh, I remember watching that movie and I remember I I was too young to steal cars. uh, obviously, (laughs) But in my mind, I was like, I could do that with bikes. Okay. And so I went out one night uh, by myself and I think I stole like 30 or 40 bicycles or something like that. Uh, It was a lot. Where where were you growing up
0: for reference?
1: Uh, I grew up, so I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Okay, and but but I grew up in South Florida. Okay, you know, so I grew up in like you know uh, Homestead, uh, Kendall area, like South Miami.
0: So would so uh, and I went to college in Orlando. But was there like a in that area of my or of Florida? Would it be like, um, like super wealthy next to not so fortunate people, like poor people, or was it like pretty evenly distributed? You
1: did you did have that juxtaposition um but it wasn't it wasn't as bad as it is now okay i would think i don't think the gap you know i mean there's, all, there's always been a wealth gap right. uh, in every major city in america but i think back then in the late 90s uh well no this was this had to have been early 90s uh it just it wasn't how it is today you know but you know, that's a whole different story right about, you know, I... <laughs> south florida coming out of the cocaine 80s and into the 90s and you know
0: it goes on a wild turn that's yeah
1: That's a whole other podcast.
0: Yeah. yeah, Let's get back to the bikes. (laughs) Let's get back to the 30 or 40 bikes. Yeah.
1: So, um, I, I went out one night by myself and dude, I just stole a a crap load of bikes and I hit them all in the woods by my house and I was pulling them out one by one. My mom was at work and I'd bring one up to my room and I would take it all apart. And I had all these bins full of bike parts. Okay. Just everywhere. And, uh, I just started, you know, selling bike parts, selling frames. I would mix and match the parts. I would, you know. And I remember that's how I made enough money. I bought brand new roller skates because um, I was into roller skating at the roller rink. I went to Foot Locker and I bought a bunch of basketball jerseys and the Nikes. And yeah, I remember that was that was it. That was That's where after that, it was like a disease. Really? You know, it was just like an infection after that.
0: How, what do you mean when you say it was like a, a disease or an infection? Like it was something you just had to get more of, like an adrenaline rush?
1: It just occupied my mind constantly. How can I make more money? How can I... What can I do next? You know, what can I, what kind of operation can I put together to make it bigger? You it's know? like, how
0: do you take this to the next level? Yeah. And so I'm I'm really fascinated about how you were able to pull off stealing 30 to 40 bikes in a night. Um, were these things like chained up or were they just like sitting around?
1: Yeah. I had bolt cutters. Um, I had a pair of bolt cutters with me and I had one bicycle or I left on foot. And then uh, just from being a kid, I know how to ride like three bicycles at once. Oh, really? I could put one, I put one bicycle on the handlebars and I could, and I can have another one holding it out to the side like this while I'm riding one. Jeez. So yeah, I could steal three bicycles at once if I wanted to, you know? And uh, so I throw one on the handlebars and I'd ride it to my spot in the woods where I was stashing them. I throw them and I'd go out and get more. And like the day before I went out and riding on my bike and I kind of just rode around and, made a mental note of where all the bicycles were that I wanted to get, you know, like all the good, make like
0: a path of it. Cause I
1: knew what was good and what way I knew, like a a Kmart bicycle isn't as good as like a a Mongoose or a Haro or whatever. So I knew where the expensive bicycles were, you know, and I just went one night and I just got them all. That's
0: wild. And so you, that's how did you figure out like which bikes were more expensive? Did you do research on it beforehand?
1: Oh, I I was just into BMX. I've been riding bicycles my whole life and you know, all the kids know what's what when you're, when you're out there doing that.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Man, yeah. that's pretty wild.
1: I think I was like 11 or 12 years old when I did that. 11 or
0: 12. That's pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, I was 11 or 12. And so yeah. I guess I guess it sounds like it was a combination of of the upbringing and then mixed it with that movie that kind of just set off this chain reaction that you were like, okay, this is it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I, I wasn't taught that that was wrong. I mean, I knew it was wrong, but Those kind of morals and values just weren't instilled into me growing up. For sure. Up until that point. You know, so, you know, my conscious conscience wasn't like there was there was no warning bells going off. You know, I was able to um, justify my actions and then compartmentalize all of the negative uh, thoughts that I was having and then just go and do whatever I needed to go and do. That's
0: interesting
1: that kind of just turned into a pattern throughout my life.
0: And so you, you, I guess the way you said that was like, you would compartmentalize negative thoughts and then what you needed to do. Did you feel like there was yep. like a separation that you were making in your, in your brain with it or.
1: Uh, I justification, you know, I would just justify myself, whatever I was doing. Um, and then compart, like I said, compartmentalize all the bad feelings and negative thoughts, yeah. put them away. And then, Just commit the act.
0: Gotcha. Um, And so that that would have been kind of like how the ego almost the would it be like the ego was almost taking over in that situation?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't I don't know so much. I would call it ego. It's just the you know this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. Okay. And I mean, I guess, I guess I game. Yeah, yeah. Well, And I guess ego, ego plays a part. Yeah, yeah, I
0: guess I'm pointing to the ego. Cause in my mind, I guess I didn't vocalize it is the attachment to like the, how can I make this bigger? You know, like, I guess you were just following something and then you were like, maybe that's where the ego came in. It was like, where do, how do I make this bigger? Yeah. And so then what was, what was your first inclination of how do you make that bigger?
1: Um, well, I just got to figure out how to scale the operation. Uh, you know, I involved two or three more kids in it. And, you know, it just turned into like a whole thing. And I ended up eventually getting caught. And that was my very first time getting put on probation. Okay. And, you know, um, I was like 11 or 12, got put on probation for stealing bikes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And so what was was, is the probation just like, you know, you can't be. I guess I'm not very familiar with what probation is. It's just, uh, you can't do certain things. Youth
1: probation, you know, they, um they got all these programs. They put you in, they make you go to counseling and they figure out what areas of your life you need help in and you know, all that crap. But it's just like, I, by that time I was already wild. Yeah, like 12, 13. That's what I started getting real wild when I was 13.
0: Would, so you were on probation. So you started that when you were 11, you got on probation when yeah. you were like 12 ish
1: yeah oh yeah 11 12 and
0: yeah. then w- when you went through these these uh these counseling sessions was everything just like oh it was a, it joke. Was a joke it wasn't it yeah, didn't make sense no i didn't internalize
1: yeah. any of it i didn't listen to any of it. It, it one ear not the other yeah you know what i mean like i wasn't trying to hear none of that shit In 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 hindsight man it, it would have fucking changed my whole life it would have helped me but i wasn't trying to yeah. hear it you know what i mean <laughs> your life
0: had other plans <laughs>
1: yeah yeah. I wasn't trying to hear, and it. so and so uh, then,
0: around thirteen, you said that your life just got wild. what started uh, to then? I
1: violated that, so I got put on probation for that, and I was like eleven or twelve, and I remember violating that probation um i had a, I had a i had a handgun and I was in a stolen vehicle now, I didn't steal the vehicle, but it was one of my buddies, and they came and picked me up, and I had the handgun i always for whatever reason, I've always just had a handgun since I was like thirteen years old on you know, all the way up. And yeah, I got caught and I got caught with a handgun and a stolen vehicle and they sent me to juvenile hall, you know, and this was somewhere like around 1997, 1998. Um, and that just started me on a whole trajectory
0: just down the rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. I think that, that was the catalyst, you know, that was the, the moment that, you know, set me down the path. When That snowball just started started taking
0: off. Do you feel like, yeah. yeah? Do you feel like there was something about like being around people in juvenile hall that like sent you down that path further or
1: changed everything? Yeah, because you know, up until this point, I had been relatively you know soft uh, suburban upbringing. Okay, you know, we didn't really live in that rough of a part of town. Um, I didn't. I hadn't really ex- experienced extreme poverty in my life. You know, like a lot of these kids had. Um, I was still a hard head, hard headed. I still had a mouth, you know, and I thought I was tough, but being put into this situation with people who were real, were like real tough, you know, I, these kids were in there for like carjacking and armed robbery. And, uh, you know, uh, one kid set his mom on fire. Holy and, shit. Uh, another kid. It, it was, it was crazy. Like Jeez. these kids were nuts yeah. and they were all, be, you know, they were all 13, 16, you know, it was 18. It was 13 to 18. <sighs>
0: Fuck man.
1: You know? And, um, you know, what do you do? Them fucking kids ate me alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? They smelled blood in the water. As soon as I walked in the fucking door, they knew I was soft. You're right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I got eaten alive in that fucking place. And that changed everything. It changed my whole attitude. I I came out with a chip on my shoulder, and I just wanted to fight everybody, you know? Um, And I just wanted to commit more crime.
0: And what, I guess you don't have to go into the specifics if you don't want to, but like, yeah, no, was no, that's it, fine. what happened that like made you tougher? Was it just the fact that you're around that element and you're like, Oh, like I, I need to like almost compete with these guys. Like how, how does that, how did that kind of send you down a, a stronger, deeper rabbit or path, let's say, or negative path.
1: Um, it was just a reality check, man. You know, like cuz you're you're sitting around with these kids 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for however long you're in there. Um, you know, so all the conversation that they're talking about, all they're talking about is selling drugs and gang banging and how they used to break into this house and steal the guns here and arm robbery over here and then and but they but they didn't talk about it like it was a bad thing. They uh. you know, they 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 talked about it like it was like it was fucking like it was awesome. You know what I mean? Like it was, they, like they, uh, they glorified, it. Okay. you know, they glorify all this behavior was being glorified, you know? And so here I am, I'm like 13 years old. Right. I've never had at previous to this point, there have been no male role models in my life at all.
2: Right. You know right. what I mean?
1: I don't have any older brothers. No, my dad wasn't around. My uncles were just partying. They weren't teaching me shit, yeah. you know? So up until this point it had been just me and figuring shit out on my own from the kids in the neighborhood and MTV and whatever so now I have people that I'm around 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're talking to me and I'm having conversations with them. And, you know, they're teaching me about stealing cars and they're teaching me about, you know, getting money over here and doing this, you know, nobody's talking about anything positive, right? Nobody's talking about, you know, getting good grades in school and learning mathematics and, you know, figuring out how to, you know, cause dude, there was the internet didn't exist at this time. I mean, it did, but it wasn't like, it would wouldn't. Right. you know, kids weren't coding, kids weren't, you know what I mean? There was kids who didn't want to be engineers and fucking scientists and none of that shit, you know? So it just wasn't,
0: you couldn't find other like material to either support or negate kind of your ideology. And so it was like, it was like, this is what there you There was have. nothing.
1: Yeah. The only influence I was getting were from these kids that I was around, uh, in what it eventually ended up being a series of, of group homes and institutions and boysvilles and youth centers and, you know, throughout through through like the next uh ten years of my life, I think. Man. Ten or twelve years of my life.
0: Which yeah. is wild too, because if, if you got in there at like the age of thirteen, and I'm trying to think back when I was thirteen, I feel like there's a huge like what's the word I want to look for? You kind of look up to kids that are seventeen and eighteen a lot more than you would look up to somebody even that's 16. yeah, yeah, for sure. You would look up even six you give them so much more validation or so much more like glorification than you would someone that's, you know, 40 or 50.
1: Cause that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, you know, there it was, I was being programmed, right. you know, they stuck me in these institutions because my mom didn't know what to do with me. She couldn't control me. Right. So her, 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 you know, um, solution was just to hand me over to the state. Well. And hopefully they can help me
0: out. Right. Yeah. Because if it's not her, I mean, she's at the end of her rope. She's pulling all these different threads. What was what was going on with your brother? Are Are you older than him? Yeah, older than
1: him. Uh, Three or four years older than him. Okay. What was What was he
0: up to? Was he kind of a similar path, different Uh, path?
1: No, he's you know, do we have different dads? Um, he's always been my complete polar opposite of me. You know, I've more. I've always been more outgoing and loud, and and you know, um, but he's he's more, you know, inward, uh, more quiet, more you know, and so we are just went down complete two completely different paths. Okay. Until our paths met up again, and we got into some shit, and then they went separated again. But we can all right. it all yeah, there. let's say a little okay. teaser for later. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, he's always a good kid. You know, bookworm. Uh, okay. Nerdy computer geek, you know, cause he came up in the generation where they, they where the, he got into the internet while I was incarcerated. And so he got to experience all of that, you know, whereas would I, Would you could. have
0: had internet access at any point during your incarcerations? So and nah, nope. nah, no, 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 none of that. So, so I guess, uh, in my mind, like you're at the age of 13 right now. Um, and at this point with this, so would you have been incarcerated at this point for breaking your probation with a gun in the car at this age? And that's when they were like, okay, yeah. you're going to go to this juvenile hall. Yeah. Okay. And then, so that transformed. you said you started bouncing around a bit. Um, so what, what happened after that incarceration, you got out and you had this chip on your shoulder, like, oh, well I need it. I yep. need to push this so, to the next level.
1: So they sent me away for 10 months on that one. Okay. They sent me to a place called uh, boysville, uh Andre house. And, um, You know, so I went there for like 10 fucking months and I got out and everything was all right for, you know, I could say a couple of months, man. And then I just realized that, you know, once again, I'm poor. And then, man, as a teenager, dude, it's so tumultuous inside of your head as a teenager, you know, because you don't have enough life experience to really understand what the fuck is even happening. Right. You You know what I mean? And you don't you don't have enough knowledge of the world to really try and figure things out to where you're going, you know, because you don't have any past experience to draw from.
0: Right. And you you only have so So much. So I kind of
1: feel like I was just, yeah, I kind of feel like I was just lost in the sauce for a few years, man, you know, to where I just didn't really understand what I was doing or where I was going. And you know what I mean? Like I was just acting out like violently. I started hanging out with you know, the, the the kids that I thought were cool, right. which obviously were, were not people I probably should be hanging out with, you know, and um, look looking, you know, I started stealing cars and it just it was it was wild. Looking
0: back, do you feel like there was any points whenever you had like a, a like a, a warning bell or like some sort of like alarm go off that was like, hey, something's off here. Like, hey, you should be looking somewhere else. Or was there any was there any of that involved or was it kind of just also mean?
1: Ahead? should I be trying to do like something with my life that's positive and not negative?
0: Um, Yeah, I guess so. But like, you know, some sort of, uh, I guess maybe intuition or instinct of just like, something's off about this, you know, something, something's wrong here. Like
1: about, like about the way I'm living. Yeah, or yeah.
0: Like the way you're viewing the world, maybe even,
1: you know, I didn't wake up until I was about 18 or 19 years old. Okay. You know, and that's when I started realizing that, um, Man, something's wrong. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I'm not making good decisions. That um, I I keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. I and I I expect you know what I mean? Like different results. Right. I expect you know it's just but it's the same thing. So it's like I'm not learning from my mistakes. And uh, I did I you know I did a long stretch. Uh, I was locked up from, I think January sixth, two thousand and three. And I didn't get out until February 6th of like 2004. And that was really like a real transformative year for me. Um, mentally and physically. Um, you know, because they put me, I was put in a facility to where I spent just a lot of time alone. Um, for whatever reason, they just, it was just how the program was. Okay. And um, I came out that in 2004, I came out that year with a little bit different you know, a better understanding of, of like, I need to make some changes,
0: you know? It's pretty early. So I think that 18 is pretty early to like have that awareness.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I had been through a
0: lot, an extraordinary
1: amount, just, it's just from 13 to 18 was, it's mind boggling what I went
0: through. Well, let's, let's jump into a little bit of that then let's not put the cart before the horse. Um, I love the, I love the part where the story turns around, but let's build it up a little bit more. Um, so 13, you got out of you got out of uh, juvenile hall and then you said you started uh, getting into stealing cars. Was that the, the next yeah. big ticket item on the list? Yep. So what did you have like a, a crew that you kind of ran with or was it just you on your own?
1: Um, I, I, I had met a kid um, who knew how to steal cars, you know, and I begged him to teach me and he taught me, he went out in the backyard and he had like, a, his, his dad had like a bunch of cars in the backyard that just didn't run. And he took a screwdriver and he went and he showed me uh, on a couple of the cars how to do it. So then I went out a few times uh, with him and me and him, you know, stole one. And then I started going out by myself. And like the first couple times I couldn't, like, I couldn't do it. Like I would break something and like all the lights in the car would start going off and I'd have to jump out and run. And uh, eventually I was able to, to steal my very first car. It was like a Dodge Neon. And um, Was there,
0: was there that, like a sense of accomplishment when you pulled that off?
1: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I drove it for like three days, and everybody's like, "Man, you gotta get rid of that car." You gotta. I was driving it everywhere, yeah. you know, cause
0: yeah. Um, but then it's like, oh, that car so, is uh, that car's hot. You gotta get. You can't. You can't be holding on to it. Yeah, yeah. That. You
1: know, ditch it, ditch it, and get a new one. Um. Yeah. So I just that's what got me. I just started stealing cars. I was like, 30... I couldn't even steal with the steering wheel Jeez. most times.
0: Did you have a driver's license?
1: Thirteen? Yeah. No. no. Oh yeah, it's like Hell sixteen,
0: no. right? permit. Yeah. Geez, so you did you?
1: I didn't, even, I didn't even. get my. I didn't even get my driver's license the first time until I was like twenty, twenty six or twenty five or twenty six. Jeez,
0: old. man, that's wild. So, you, so yeah. we. So, I mean, based on the story, you were learning to hotwire cars before you even knew how to drive them.
1: Oh, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. How? To, I mean, you know,
0: yeah.
1: I had driven a couple times. and I, you know, been out in the street. So, yeah, I just. But a flat, big flathead screwdriver, man, that's it. That's all you would need back then. Now it's more complicated. Right. But...
0: With the technology and everything. Yeah. That's wild, man. Yeah. And so then, uh, did you start an operation with, uh, you know, hot, um, what's it called? Wiring cars or lifting cars and then selling them?
1: Yeah. Um, the kid who taught me how to steal cars, he knew where to, to get rid of them. Okay. You know? And, you know, once I went down there and met those people, they love me, you know, cause I have, um. I've always been told throughout my life that I have a little bit of I have charisma, whatever that may mean. I can feel you know, it. <laughs> so people, people are just drawn to me. You know, throughout my life, I've just I run into people and they just want to fuck with me. You know, and so he took me down there. He introduced me to these people, and they just liked me right away. Um, and that, you know, that tonight just, just took off. I was stealing eight cars a day, five, six, seven, eight cars a day. Man,
0: that's wild. Yeah. And did you did you enjoy yeah. doing it? Like, was it like a passion for you?
1: It was the greatest thing I'd ever. You know, experienced in my entire life. Yeah, I was obsessed. Yeah.
0: And then I'm guessing yeah. there was probably an element of these older, older male figures, I'm assuming, who were re encouraging it too. Like, you know, they loved, you know, they loved working for you. They loved what you were doing. And I'm sure you heard a ton of praise whenever you were pulling it off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: so it was just build that like re encouragement almost.
1: Yeah. I remember I stole three cars in an hour and a half one time. And they told me I had to stop bringing fucking cars down here. I had to leave and don't come back for a week because you're making it too hot.
0: Jeez. I'm sure that was music yeah, to your ears.
1: Yeah. 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 So yeah, I was, like I said, I was stealing so many cars that they just told me I had to stay away. I couldn't bring any more cars.
0: Jeez, man. Did you have to find somewhere else yeah, then, to wild. take them?
1: I just stopped Either for a stop. while or I would just, you know, steal them when I got bored and you know, take them out into the woods and drive them through trails and shit like Damn. that. Yeah. Destroy Really?
0: Them. That's yeah. crazy, man.
1: I was thirteen, fourteen. I was like about fourteen, fifteen doing this. Now this is, you know, over the span of maybe a oh, we're year only and a at, half
0: we're only at two years into the turnaround. Jeez. So then yeah. what what was your next pivot? Was there an event that occurred that pivoted you pivoted pivoted you off of Cars? I got
1: incarcerated. Okay.
0: Then. For for Steel yeah. Cars. So
1: so so for reference, I've only so between the age of thirteen and nineteen, um, I was only out maybe one or two months every year. Okay. So it was 10 months out of every year I was incarcerated pretty much, you know, and then I'd get, I finished the program, I'd get out, I'd be out for a month, two months, maybe three, and then I'd get it back. I'd go right back to Juvie and I, they'd send me off to another program and it'd be every program you go to is like a nine or 10 months ordeal. Okay. you know.
0: And then just by doing yeah. it, they just like, you just checked enough boxes and you're just like, all right, I'm out of here.
1: Well, yeah, you know, you've been here. Okay, there's like a program. So you got to reach this level by completing, you know, this steps and doing that. And they feel like you're ready to go on to the next level. And most programs are like five levels or whatever. And by the fourth level, you're going home every weekend. You're playing, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to do good. And then, yeah, yeah, they kick you out. Oh, yeah, they have this big ceremony where they graduate <sighs> and they send you home. And you go to the judge and the judge releases you. And then three months later, I'm fucking right back in front of the same goddamn judge. It. And he's sending me back. Just to, doing it again. Yeah, it was, a re- it was for me, it was a revolving right. door um, for like five or six years. Yeah. So
0: then, um, two questions here. I guess the first one would be: Is like was was it carjacking? Like all you were doing for those ages, thirteen to eighteen?
1: Um, a lot of home invasions. Uh, I wouldn't say home invasions because I never, I never home invaded anybody while they were home. Uh thank God. Um, uh, but I used to do a lot of break and enterings. Um, a lot of shoplifting. Um, commercial burglary. Um. Uh, you know, vandalism, uh auto thefts, um, uh, you know, just all around fucking bad the run dude, of the mill. You know. And it was like I was never violent though. You know what I mean? Like there's violent criminals right. and then there was me. You know what I mean? I was just a fucking right. thief. Period. I would if it wasn't bolted down, I would and I, I was trying to fucking
0: Right. Stop. Right.
1: You know, but I would ne- I never got violent. I never I never arm robbered anybody. You know, I never stuck up anybody at gunpoint my entire life. Um you know, I, I would never, you know, like I said, I, I wouldn't go in your house if I knew you were home.
0: Oh, that's, a, I mean, that's like a, that. that's yeah. a pretty powerful silver lining. Right. You know,
1: I mean, you know, I was still a scumbag, but it was like, there's different right. and I was, you know, not the, not saying that what I was doing was cool or anything like that, but it was like, you know,
0: thankful that it wasn't worse. Thankful that it wasn't, you yeah. know, the,
1: I wasn't the guy fucking stabbing. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm
0: sure, you, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I'm sure you were around them at some point in time too, which is the craziest part.
1: Oh, I plenty of the
0: guys I hung out with were those guys, you know? And was there, so then if you never went to that violent place, like was there going back to that, like warning bell system, was there something that told you that like, this isn't for me? Like, you know, you're, you're kind of, and I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. Like, you know, you're in this situation with these guys who are quote unquote, similar to you because you're in the same juvenile hall. But Mm -hmm. was there something in your, in your mind that like separated you? That was like, you know well i'm not going to do it to somebody else i under you know i understand what i'm doing but i would never take it to a violent place like they do
1: um you know i've i've always felt like i was been a little bit smarter than everybody else um not being you know not talk talking myself up or anything like that but i always knew that when i hear somebody talk or you know i have a conversation with somebody i can i automatically know where their intelligent level is level is. I I I know how they process information, you know, so I can kind of guesstimate how you know, just what kind of people they are. And I've always felt like I've had an advantage uh over people. Um just by having a conversation with somebody I can tell if I have an advantage over you or not. Um, you know, mentally sure. and and just you know having not maybe just maybe not based off one conversation, but you know, based off of many conversations or based off of dealing with somebody on a daily basis. So it was like I just knew better, man. Like I just I knew that there was a line, you know what I mean. And and I don't know. I think I I just I learned empathy, thank God, at a very young age somehow.
2: Right. You know
1: because I just I wasn't exposed to like violence, but at a young age, like I never I didn't watch anybody like beat my mom up or like fighting or none of that stuff like that. That was never a part of my life, thank exactly. God. Um, you know. So I think I had empathy, and I think that was the one thing that really just stopped me from being a violent physically violent person i mean it's just because I, I could never i could never do that to somebody you know i just like i said i got that that switch inside of me
0: do you feel like your mom was a really empathetic person
1: um no nah, my mom was mean man. yeah yeah she was a bitch dude she was fucking mean as a motherfucker i was yelling and screaming but so, no, I didn't really learn empathy <laughs> from my mom. I think it probably came from, like, my grandparents, my grandmother or something like
0: okay. that. Okay. You had to get in there somewhere, right?
1: Yeah, you know, my grandmother had a lot to do with uh, raising me uh, early on. You know, she was a huge part of my life. So I think a lot of the empathy came from okay. her. Okay.
0: Cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's – I mean, it's, if there's a silver lining, I think that's it, right? That, you know, it never went to a violent place. Yeah. yeah. And, and so then – Okay, so we kind of, I guess it sounds like between the ages of 13 and 18, you were in and out. You, it sounds like you got booked maybe eight, six or seven times. That'd be a fair estimate.
1: Oh, yeah. That, I, probably more than, more that. than that.
0: Yeah. 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 And so then you get to 18, uh, 18-ish range. And then was mm-hmm. there an event that occurred that you were like, why does this keep happening? Like, why does this revolving door keep revolving the wrong way?
1: Um. Man, I started experimenting with, uh, with ecstasy and, and MDMA. Okay. Uh, probably like around the year two thousand and one, two thousand and two. And I remember I I oh I had an overdose in two thousand.
0: Oh shit! On ecstasy.
1: Yeah. Okay. And that event changed the rest of my life. That's when I knew, right then and there, that I had to stop everything that I was doing. I can't do it anymore. I can't. I can't party anymore. I can't. You know what I mean? Like. It's getting serious now. Like I don't want to go to prison. Prison. Like at this point, I had been to county jail a few times. Now that I'm eighteen, nineteen, I they I would be done with the 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 juvenile system. You know, they washed their hands with me, said good luck. Right. Uh, so now I'm starting to go to county jail for like, you know, being drunk in public and shoplifting. So it now starts the petty shit going into my adult life. You know. And then I had the OD in O four overdosed. Um,
0: How old would you have been then in 04? four? Nineteen. 19.
1: Yeah, I was 19 and so, in 2004. And so
0: what, like, I guess, what was your experience of overdosing on ecstasy? Like, you know, I guess in your physical reality and then also your mental reality.
1: Um, Man, I, you know, uh, I, I, my, I felt my body temperature skyrocket and I knew I was ODing immediately. Like what, like when it just came on and like, cause I'm used to it. I'm used to the, the, I've been taking a lot of ecstasy. I've been not, not every day, but every weekend, I would go and buy like ten or fifteen pills, and I would take ten or fifteen pills, you know, between Friday and Sunday, Jeez,
0: which is a lot in itself. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: yeah, going to raves and just partying and you know, you know, just all bad stuff. And as soon as it hit me, I knew I, I was something was wrong. And so, my my body temperature skyrocketed, my esophagus closed, and um, I had a seizure. My body went into convulsions. Wow. And so I, I remember forcing water down my throat. Somebody kept forcing water down my throat to keep my throat open. Um, and, I, and I blacked out and I would come to. And and then for like a week after that, um, I, cause, because my serotonin levels and, uh, you know, all of the stuff going on in my brain wasn't right. I was like, I was just like, not myself. Um, it, it was like, I had lost my mind. You know, I was just like, all, I would just start crying for no reason. And what, so once all of these things wore yeah. off. Uh, that was it for me. I was like, you know what, this is. I have just something has something has to change. Something, and that's when I just quit. I walked away from. I walked away from everything then, and in oh four, just everything
0: yeah. you were doing. You walked away. You were just dropped it. Cold yeah, I, I, yeah,
1: I. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I walked away from everybody. I was hanging out with. um, Everything. I walked away from everything and everybody, and then I kind of just tried to start figuring shit out.
0: What What did that process kind of look like? Because, I mean, from the sounds of it, right? You. You went through this crazy near death experience. I mean, it it, it sounds like it kind of just stripped you to your core, and then
1: yeah, I I still have PTSD to this day from that. Oh interview.
0: yeah, what is what does that yeah. look like? Yep. Yeah. Um,
1: I can't take any pills now. Okay. You know? like I can't take Tylenol. I can't take Benadryl. I can't take. Uh, I can barely take a Voltiva. Really? You know, you just yeah, you just push
0: it away, or your body just closes up and doesn't. Um, allow it
1: I, I i'll get anxiety like i'm overdosed. Oh,
0: okay
1: like for some reason it's going to kill me and then i have a crazy anxiety attack and it's just like this whole episode it's like this whole thing so yeah you know i can't your body just it's a bummer yeah. now so whenever i'm having pain or anything i just got to thug it out and that's it i just deal with it and and move
0: Damn. on i mean that's okay, that's, that's rough. rough yeah that's rough in <sighs> itself yeah
1: so I'm, I'm not sure uh, No,
0: was. You, that was, you nailed it. But so then where, where did it kind of that transition happen? I guess between, so you, so you're stripped apart, you're stripped down to nothing. You, you, you can't even take pills. What yeah. kind of happened with you psychologically of like, okay, where, what's the first building block? Like, where, where do I start? I don't, you know, I'm getting rid of my friends. I'm getting rid of the circle I run with. I I need to mm. stop everything. It's like, well, what's the, what's the first thing that you did do or, you know, progressed to do?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I kind of figured out, I was like, well, okay, what makes me happy? You know, where do I find the most pleasure in life? That's, that's not going to kill me or send me to jail, you know, and it, it always went back to art, uh, for me, you know, cause it's always been something that I've, I've turned to in, in moments when I would just like, you know, in a dark place, I just draw or I paint, um, I just like to create. And so I was like, well, how can I, how can I make money from this? You know, how can I use this or, or, you know, whatever makes me happy to kind of use that as, as my, my starting point for the rest of my life, sure. uh, essentially.
0: And so then where did, where did yeah. that rabbit hole? What was the first thing you painted?
1: Um, oh man, I've been painting since I was probably eight or nine years old. Oh yeah. Um, There's
0: like a little side thing. You Yeah. I remember
1: always painting, always finger painting, hand painting. And then, you know, being in these facilities, these juvenile facilities, you have access to a lot of like programs, like art programs and, and things like that, you know? So, um, I was painting in there like crazy. I I did, I, I did a whole uh, mural on one whole hallway in one of the facilities from one end to the other. It took me like four and a half months. Oh, wow. Uh, they would let me go, they would let me go out there and work on it for two or three hours every day. Um, I used to do big canvases, I used to paint, you know, canvases and stuff while I was in there. So, and I used to teach other kids how to, how to draw and how to paint. Oh, that's super cool. Uh, so that's always been my go-to, you know, art has always been my go-to, you know, and, um, I've been obsessed with tattooing since probably 1992 or, or so. Okay. Uh, and that's actually a pretty, pretty interesting story. Um, I could tell that one right now. Please do. Um, so in 1992, uh, th- there was no CVS. There was no Walgreens. like That just didn't exist uh, yet and in real, the Midwest. Real and quick, you would have sch- been about
0: 10 at this point in 92? 92,
1: I was seven.
0: seven. Okay. Yeah, I
1: was, I was seven in 92. You You're seven. And I remember be- I was at a Perry Perry drugstore with my mom, uh, and there was a gentleman in front of us, heavily tattooed. Now, in the 90s, you just didn't see people that were heavily tattooed walking
0: okay. around. Okay, right.
1: Ever. You know, it was like a, it was like a circus sideshow kind of thing. Even in the even in the early '90s. Interesting. You know? Um, so I said, "See this guy," and he was he had tattoos all over his neck, he sleeves. He's like a big biker. I remember him having a, a leather vest on. He was in front of us in line, and that something happened to me right then and there. Uh, I remember going home that night, and I remember taking a permanent marker and I covered my whole arm, really, both of them. And like, yeah, I don't remember what I just bunch of different stuff and woke up the next morning. My mom was living. <laughs> of course. Cause she couldn't wash it off and she had to send me to school. Yeah. And, um, it just became an obsession from that point on. I was just, every time like I would, I would make my mom buy me tattoo magazines. Yeah. Um, uh, because in the nineties, that was like the only place, you know, that I could see, see tattoos and stuff that there were, there weren't any television shows. Um, I was seven. So I couldn't go to a tattoo shop. There's no,
0: there's no internet.
1: There's no right. internet, you know, so I used to make my mom buy these tattoo magazines for me. And I remember I had these boxes of tattoo magazines. I used to sit up all night under my blanket with a flashlight really? and just looking. Oh, yeah, just looking. And, and ever since then, and yeah, so I knew that I knew that I wanted the tattoo and I knew I wanted to be a tattoo artist. But all the fraud and all the crazy shit I was doing kind of uh, overshadowed that for so many years of my life. Yeah. You know, until I circled back around to it at this point, um, when I when I figured I was like, I have to try and do something with my life. Now that's you know, like I said, not going to land me right. in prison or or, in, or or at the which is a home.
0: pretty pretty important caveat.
1: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so
0: then I guess was so you knew you wanted to be an artist. I guess when you when you had this little introspection period, did you know mm-hmm. and you were like, okay, I, I want to be an artist. I want to. I need to make money off of it. Uh, you know, ideally, I guess was tattoo artist the first thing that popped into your head?
1: Yeah, it was um also graphic design. Okay. Like even at this point I didn't even believe that I could make money with tattoo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I knew I wanted a tattoo, but I didn't think it was possible for me to to live the life that I wanted to live, you know, tattooing. At this point I always looked at it like a hobby. Yeah. It isn't what it is today. you got these fucking celebrity tattoo artists making a hundred thousand dollars a year and they're driving around at bentley's that wasn't the fucking case 20 years ago when i wanted to be a tattooer right i mean and um so i was like okay i'll be a graphic designer because i've always been good with computers i know how you know digital art and i could transfer what i do uh physically you know into digitally um so i was like well fuck i'll go to school and be a graphic designer okay so did you and that's what I set up. So, division. did you
0: get uh, did you enroll in a graphic design course then?
1: I did. I went to the Art Institute uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, got my associate's degree in graphic design, media arts. Okay. Yeah. You... yeah. And I was ho- listen. I was homeless the whole time I went to the, went to college. Now. Okay. Like so, from from the age of about eighteen or nineteen, uh, all the way through college up until I got graduated from college, I was homeless. Really? You know? Yeah. I had a little shitty uh, Chrysler Sundance. Uh, with a rust mohawk, uh, and no headliner, and I lived in that car, man, for like a year, two years, uh, in Fort Lauderdale and Miami, going to college, and you know, just doing my thing down and there.
0: And so, so I'm I'm now thinking about the money aspect of this. Um, you know, if you're boosting all these cars, you're you know doing all these things between the ages of thirteen to eighteen. Was there anywhere like you kept your money or did it end up getting like re- – like did the government take it whenever you went to jail? Like how did how did that all play out? Between 13 yeah. and 19?
1: Oh, I never really had any real no. money. You know, I would wow, – man, I was – listen, you can't save money when you, nobody's going to – you're 17, you're boosting cars. You know, I, was, I would boost a car. I would take the money. I'd go right to the okay. car. And I'd buy eight pairs of sneakers and a new outfit, and then I'd go hang out. I'd buy a bag of weed, and then I'd be over here partying, and we'd eaten out. and And by the next day, I'd have to steal two more cars to get more money, you know. So it was just like it was a, just that
0: rabbit, the yeah. endless cycle. Oh, I never okay. stopped
1: I never stockpiled any real cash. There was no putting like it away. It was, no, it it was,
0: when it came in, it went out. No. It wasn't, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: You know, and I had like five different girlfriends. You know, and I was, I was spending money on them and taking them out to eat. And, right. Yeah, the whole,
0: and yeah. just one's yeah. pretty expensive. Well, I never, I
1: never learned the value of a dollar. Gotcha. I never learned the value of a dollar. I didn't learn about inflation or saving or interest rates or fucking ROIs. I didn't know at this point. I didn't know about any of
0: that. Hey, hey man, you're not you alone. Know? I didn't know about any of that whenever I was 18 either. <laughs> Probably didn't learn about that yeah. till I was in my early 20s. Um, but so then, you know, I guess moving along, right? You're going to school for graphic design. Where did? How were you able to, I guess, afford something like that then? Student, Student loans. loans. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was homeless. I got student loans. I got uh, I had a uh, uh, food stamps I was eating on. Then, you know, you get all like the student discounts for shit. Um, so I was live, just lit all the programs that I could uh, sign up for and and do. I was living off of all wow. that shit, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I took me two and a half years to get my, my associate's degree. Uh, first year was kind of rough. I didn't really get to attend as many classes and get, get the credits I wanted to. So it took me like, you know, an extra half a semester to get it. Uh, and then, you know, um, something wonderful happened. I, I uh, So so every, at, the, at your graduating class, um, when like everybody's getting ready to graduate, they have like a job fair where prospective employers come and we all go down there with our portfolios, everything we've been working on for over the past two and a half years, all of our projects, everything. And, you know, we stop, everybody's got like a, a tent or a booth or a fucking whatever, a table. And you show them, and you know, you take their business card. They look at your stuff. They, you know, they you can give you information. Blah blah blah, whatever. So I, I, I did all that. I went to every booth. I talked to every vendor. Uh, about three weeks after I graduated, I was contacted by a print company in Miami uh, that offered me like like eighty grand a year. Um, they were going to help me pay my student loans. I, I was going to go there and be the, the lead graphic design artist, and you know, work under the guy that his he had like a visa. And he couldn't stay here and his visa was getting ready to expire. So he was going to train me and they were going to send him back to Brazil or wherever the F they were from. And I was going to take over. Um, great deal. Everything went off, you know, without a hitch. Uh, I went and worked for the company. I was there like a year and a half. Uh, they sent a dude back to his country. I worked there. Um, great salary. You know, I, 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 at this point in time, um, they gave me like an advance and they put me in like a nice apartment in downtown Miami on Brickell. Uh, I was driving a new Cadillac. Um, I had never, I had never had money like this ever right. in my life. You know, I, I just come from being homeless, living in my car for two years. And then you just you were know?
0: catapulted into this, like, and, yeah, you, you got you it. You know,
1: I, I, I'm a superstar. I get to show up for work every day and just, you know, design graphics for like auto wraps and 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 t-shirts and you know, we were doing uh, screen printing and all kinds of shit. You know, it was a fun job. You know, and I had a nice car. I got a nice apartment. I'm, you know, I'm making good money. And then one morning I show up for work and, uh, the feds were there. No shit. Shut the place down. Shut the place down. Yeah. Oh shit. The owner's wife shows up. Uh, and after we all got questioned, they, we're all standing in the parking lot. His wife shows up, writes me and two other employees. Cause we were salary Writes so us both a check for the remainder of our salary for the rest of the year. Jeez. And she says, uh, go and cash these right now don't wait oh, as soon man. as you leave here go to the bank and cash these yep yeah. and so you know i you know now so now i got a little bit of money okay but but now i now i all i have is well, debt. so what I still real quick st- what happened
0: with the company why oh, were the fed showing up
1: oh um they were laundering okay money. the whole operation was some fucking kind of money laundering operation for some some other shit they had going on down in uh like Brazil or or, or Paraguay or wherever. They
0: gotcha, were from. gotcha. So they were you know. yeah. And I guess did you even were you even aware of this being an employee or was this just like whoa like really?
1: No, the business was from what I seen. You know, and and I'm from the street, so I would have seen some shenanigans from a mile away. I mean, everything was being run on the up and up. All of our customers were were regular. The people that all worked there were you know nobody was hip to anything. I mean, his wife ran the company. Okay. You know, the dude, he would come in We we only met him once or twice. And then he was, you know, always away doing whatever. And she would come in and run the day, take care of the day-to-day operations and then leave. Cause we had a shop manager that ran everything else. She would come in, uh, sign all the checks, pay everybody and leave. Okay,
0: And so you know? it was pretty, but, uh, yeah, yeah. There were, that's wild. That...
1: Yeah. And I never, I didn't, I never seen the sure. books. I didn't, sure. you know, so I didn't, I don't know what, what kind of, what the, what the financials
0: were. It just, it's just, it's really fascinating that someone with, you know, your background, it's, it's like it it almost like followed you, you know, into the job. Makes sense?
1: <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> that makes sense. That's the yeah. universe, man. Um so yeah, so now I'm just left with debt. Okay. You know, I I got student loans to pay, I got a brand new car that I'm driving that I got, you know, insurance and payments on. I got a nice apartment downtown Miami, brickle that I that I have to pay on. Um So what do you do? What's the plan? You know?
0: How what do you
1: You know, I I I I I need the money. I need right. money now. I can't, I can't, you know, so I, so I was like, okay, let me go and try and find another job as a graphic designer, because I got a year and a half under my belt as a lead graphic. I got quite the resume sure. right now, you know, I got, so that's all looking good. Um, I couldn't find a job anywhere else making that amount, no. making enough money to, to pay everything to support the lifestyle that I was living in. Nobody wanted to pay me what they
0: right. were paying.
1: Right. Now I understood why they were paying me
0: Right. So right. You know what I, mean, I mean, they had
1: it. Graphic designers just don't, they just don't make that mo- that money. Not what, was like the per- what was the you
0: percentage know? like off? Like if you were making X, it was like 20% less.
1: Oh, it's, it's drastically. I mean, listen, lead graphic design artists usually start off somewhere like around maybe 45 to 50 K a year. Okay. You know, um, and that's being gratuitous they gave me 80 right out the gate
0: Wow, right? You know,
1: with an advance on, you know, uh, my salary. So, right. Um, mess me right. up, you know? So, and it's like, I was never a drug dealer growing up, you know, I never sold drugs. I never really, I would never really got into drugs. I partied a little bit, but I was never in that, that world. So it wasn't like I could just go talk to my buddy and get a kilo and, you know, be okay. Right. You know, cause that just wasn't my life. You know, I was more, I was more used to having to use my brain and, and and just do scams and, you know, so that, that's where I went. That's where I decided to look. Is that where, is that
0: where you started looking after this whole job thing situation happened? Is that you had this fallout and it sounds like maybe perpetuated by fear or anxiety. You then kind of flip the script and you're like, all right, well, we're going back to scams.
1: I'd been a criminal my whole life. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's all I know. Right. You know, so that's, that's where I problem solve. Um, and yeah, so, so, and so now the internet's advanced, Mm. you know Mm -hmm, what I mean? For sure. Uh, from way where it was when I was back doing crime, you know, and now, uh, all of these payment systems are starting to to really start to take off, uh, in the United States, you know, this is the early two thousands. Um, and I was just at the right place at the right time. I think I got lucky, you know, got
0: lucky in terms of finding the right scam or,
1: yeah, just kind of falling into the credit card shit, you know, the, the online fraud and the credit card fraud and the scamming and um you because know, it was all in its infancy right. when I when I started doing it. It was just just starting to everything was starting to happen. And
0: so even geez, I can only imagine the shit you could probably get away with back then compared to how much more complex it is. It today. was wide,
1: it was wide yeah. open back then. It was like robbing the robbing banks in the 20s. Yeah. You could you could do it all day long. You could drive from California to New York and rob every bank from coast to coast. You know what I mean? It never caught. Um, that's how it was back so, then. You know. So what that open. kind of
0: look like, right? What was what was your mindset with like, all right, like, you know, you just got out of this high paying job. I can't find anything that's doing the same. You, you know, kind of revert back to scamming or what you got to do. Mm-hmm. What did that process look like? Like, did you need to do some research on how this was being done?
1: Yeah, I just, uh, I hopped online, man, and I just started Googling.
0: And all of it was there? Like, you know, just, just, hey, start- here's how you do this. Here's how you get...
1: I, I stumbled onto a, like a bulletin board for fraudsters somehow. I don't remember how I how I got there through a couple of links that somebody had posted and I got to a, a message board. And then through that message board, I got to a, uh, what they called online carding forums. Uh, they don't exist anymore, but this is back in the day they did. Now it's the dark web and the onion router and all that shit that none of that even existed sure. back then. There was no dark web. There was right. none of that. Uh, there was no Silk Road. You know, this is pre, this predates all of that. So there was these message boards for fraudsters. And so I just, I signed up for every single one I could find, Yeah, you know, and at that time there was like this community where people just wanted to share information. So people would just write these long tutorials on how to commit crime.
0: That's wild. And
1: and I would just download every tutorial I could and I kept them all on a hard drive and I would stay up for hours. I would stay up, you know, sometimes till the sun would come up reading these tutorials, you know, on how to commit fraud, how to commit bank crime, how to, you know, clone credit cards, how to, uh, you know, commit uh, identity theft, how to run bank scams, how to run, Just, it was endless. Like, the amount of information uh, that just flooded the internet back then was just. It sounds like
0: you were just mesmerized by it. Were you just really enthralled with understanding it?
1: blew me away. blew me away because I I just understood all of it immediately. Like, it was all so plain in English in front of me. And I was like, wow, I I get this. Like, I can do this. Yeah. You know, and I was so confident in it before I even pulled my first scam that I was going to be afraid at this.
0: (laughs) Which is dangerous. (laughs) That's the dangerous part.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be the best at this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so. So how did that play out? Did you start like researching and implementing or did you just do a, a deep dive of research before you started a scamming online?
1: Yeah, I just did a few months of research, man, to, to, to really figure out, you know, which direction to go in. Um, and the carding stuff for me, I just felt like was the best direction. And so real you know? quick,
0: where's this in the timeline, right? So, you know, you got released from your job, and then you were looking for jobs and then you, um, start researching about 2000
1: and 2005, uh, 2005, 2006. Uh, I started re- doing research on all the fraud stuff in like, Oh, okay. And
0: yeah. so then,
1: and then I didn't really start committing fraud until about 2006.
0: Okay. It was that like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested to build a timeline here. Right. So you, you got released from your job in, let's say it was 2005 year saying. And so, yeah. then, did you look for jobs for about a couple months after that? And then, you researched fraud for a couple months.
1: Uh, well, I was researching fraud while I was
0: uh, okay for,
1: while I was looking for for a new employment. Um, I was doing both okay. simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, it was because so I I, I had a friend um, in Miami that kind of told me about carding, and he didn't really know. He had heard about it from somebody else, and he tried to explain it to me. And that's what kind of was like okay now I know that's where the this, seed is this was real?
0: planted. Exactly. And is carding just yeah. like making yeah. a replica of somebody else's credit card?
1: Um, there's a couple different you know there's a couple different avenues. There's uh, virtual carding, and that's basically just you know ordering things online using uh, somebody's you know digital information. Uh, you know, and then you've got your in store carding where you actually take the physical debit cards into the store and use them. Uh, you know, so yeah, there's two different, couple different ways. Okay.
0: So if we get back to the timeline, uh, so you were, you were, you were searching for a new job as you were kind of diving into this world of scams. Um, yeah. At this point, if we get back to my whole, uh, you know, little warning signs, was there something that was as though you were like, okay, this is super easy. Did you forget about your, um, or like, what, what was in your mind about going back to jail? Like, was it something that you kind of just forgot about? Like that you didn't like want that? Or like, was it just, you're just so infatuated. In my
1: mind, I could never get caught. doing Okay. This. There's no way. okay. You know, in my mind, I'm like, you have to be an idiot, mm. you know, to get caught doing this because it's just, it's so simple. Gotcha. You know, mask your, mask your IP address. You know what I mean? Don't put your face on cameras, use disposable cell phones use throwaway emails. You know what I mean? Like cut every link between, right. you know, if you understand internet security protocol and all of these other things, and, and which I did, I had a very fundamental understanding of all of this going into it. Um, you could essentially be a ghost, right. you know? So I just was like super cocky. Like there's just no way.
0: So yeah, it was, you could do this and not even go to jail. So why not do it? All right.
1: Yeah. It was a joke. To me, it was a joke. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't even like I was committing a crime. To really, be honest with you. I didn't even feel like I was breaking the law, even though I was in a major sure. way. Um, I didn't feel like I was.
0: That's fascinating. You know? And so then, from there, I guess you started going into the rabbit hole of of um of actually pulling off the scams. You did you hit like a certain point between like looking for a job and doing this research where you were like, "All right, these jobs aren't coming in, and my money's running out. Like, I have to start doing this."
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, my time's probably better well spent uh, doing this than doing that. Okay.
0: And so then, so then how did that transform? Like, was there, is there a form of like psychology that goes into, like, did you ask people for their credit card information or was it more somehow like reading receipts or like, what was the process of obtaining somebody's information? Sure.
1: No, there were, uh, Believe it or not, there was a marketplace um, for all this information that I found online, you know, and there were vendors that you could contact and just tell them how many card numbers you want, what what kind of cards you want. If you want them to be Visa, MasterCard, if you want them Platinum, whatever you want, and they'll sell them to you for relatively, relatively cheap, you know, maybe $5, $10 a piece for the, for like basic debit cards and the credit cards were like $20 a piece. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's this whole online marketplace back then for all of that's crazy, sites, and, which I stumbled upon, and I was like, "Wow!" I'm
0: sure in your research it wasn't hidden at all.
1: No, these, all these, all of these sites were were I found them on Google. Yeah,
0: that's that's insane. Yeah. That's wild. How like just yeah. open it would have been, or how like easy it was. It was
1: wide open, and and it, eventually uh, there was a big operation. It was called Operation Open Market. Okay. Uh, it was a joint venture between the United States secret service and then the, uh, Russian, uh, I remember what their police are called. Um, and yeah, they took them all down. They infiltrated and was systematically one by one by one by one took them all.
0: That's you know, crazy. All and so I guess.
1: And then, the the dark web sprung up in the silk road and then that was like a whole new fire. They which had is, put out.
0: yeah, we uh, can, <laughs> we can get to that and, uh, down the rabbit yeah. hole a little bit. So, so sure. I guess then you're, we're 2005, you just set up your, your first scam, I guess, is artistry taking like a backseat at this point? Is there playing any role in your life at that point No,
1: No, it's just, just a, hobby. a hobby. It's always been, yeah, just a hobby. Yeah. Something I do to pass the time or, okay, you know, yeah, it was never nothing to make money so with. So then
0: at this point now, where also is your like financial understanding of, uh, you know, ROIs, you know, investing stocks, are you starting to do that? Are you thinking about doing that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I start. I start getting. I start took. I took an interest in finance somewhere around 2003, 2002, 2003 when I was incarcerated. Um, They had like financial literacy classes and stuff you can take like that. So I started taking those, and you know, I started learning, like you said, about the stock market, about you know investing, and um, you know, you know, a, a, a lot of different things that I had just absolutely no clue even existed. So, and you know, one thing with me is. I soak up information, you know it's just been something I've been able to do since a child. Uh, I can remember a lot of stuff, I can retain a lot of information um so when when I started learning about finance uh, I was interested, so if I'm super interested in something then I just I soak up all yeah, of it, you know and i and i I take it upon myself to try and learn as much as I can okay.
0: Right, you you're know. just diving down So the yeah, angle. I've been
1: studying finance for two or three years at this point. Um, you know, and by the time I started getting these these big checks from uh, this this job, like I knew how to manage my okay. money. Okay. Uh, you know, somewhat responsible. Somewhat. It's
0: always a journey, right? Becoming a bit better at it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now you learn yeah.
0: as you go on, you know. And so then um Okay, cool. So you're getting your finances in order, you're understanding what to do with your money, and so then that comes mm-hmm. the scam comes in and yeah you know what was your income looking like per was it a per monthly basis, or you know if you could give us a rough estimate or understanding of you know you how much per scam like you know and then what you were doing with that money
1: sure um well man, this is such a such a roller coaster with this crap because in the beginning, I really wasn't making that much money okay. with it. you know um I started doing virtual carding um so I started you know buying card numbers and then uh, ordering things online, having them shipped to addresses, and then I'd have to go and get the merchandise and resell it on eBay, um, or on Craigslist. Gotcha. You know, so I was just doing that and it was like, you know, the money was there was no consistency to the money at all. You know, uh, I would maybe put in 100 orders and 5 of them get shipped. You uh... know, so the the success rate wasn't very high in the beginning. You know, and it was almost so much to deter me anybody else would have been would have gave up, but you know I'm just that way i don't I'm just gonna keep going and going and going with it even even if i gotta fail a thousand times that's always been right. how I am you know so i i found i got a system down, I figured out you know a good system um uh, you know matching I found like a certain bin number um which is it's a bin number it's a bank identification number, it's the first six digits of any card. Uh, will kind of tell you what financial institution issued the card and, you know, what, what okay. kind of card it is. And I found, I found a good bin number that just started working for me uh, with a good uh, zip code. And then I had like a good shipping um routine down. So I started making a couple thousand dollars a month, Um you know, so,
2: yeah. but
1: dude, there's so much legwork. Like in the beginning, like I realized it was just too much legwork. There's just too much involved. There's too many moving parts. And I just, the amount of money I was making wasn't enough. I mean, it was enough to pay my bills, but it wasn't enough to live. comfortably. Right. Not it. You know? So, so I knew, I knew I had to either change what I was doing or I had to scale what I was doing.
0: Right. And I mean, you if know? you're, I guess you said you didn't really even view it as, you know, committing a crime, but if you're only making a thousand dollars, a, just for the effort that you're putting in. And then the next layer of it would be the yeah. fact that, you know, it is against the law. It doesn't seem to me to be like you know, like you're saying, you gotta you gotta pivot or figure out something else yeah. to make it worth your while. Yeah. Yeah. So what?
1: Yeah, I um. So I I I got into uh, actually in store carding. Okay. Uh, so I went from virtual to in store. Uh, now I'm now I'm buying the cards, the the fraudulent cards that you're buying physical the physical card, card in store the, or in, oh, in okay. the mail. Yeah. So somebody, people who make the cards. Okay.
0: They'll, so they'll take those numbers you know, from, they would take essentially the numbers from that marketplace, make the physical card and yes. you purchase the physical card from them.
1: Yes, okay. exactly. And I started doing that because I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm not having my, my success rate isn't very high with the virtual card because you know, they're hip to it. You know, they're, a lot of the shit's getting shut down and there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, internet security protocol and all that stuff for, um, um I forget the, the term I want to use, but there's just they know what's going on. Now in-store carding is relatively new. You can get away with a lot more. And the success rate was a lot higher. And the, the 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 higher ticket items I was getting, I was selling for a lot more. So now I go from making, I start buying the cards online, I start going into like, you know, Best Buy, Target, Wal- Wal- Walmart, and I'm buying big screen TVs, I'm buying laptops, I'm buying PlayStations. Uh, at this time there was no, I was buying like the iPods iPods, you know, the iPod touches mm-hmm. and shit. And, uh, so now I go from making like a thousand a month. Now I'm making like 5,000.
2: Okay. Right.
1: You know, now my bills are getting paid and I got a little money. To pay.
2: Right.
0: Right.
1: You know, so. Excuse me. Good. pipe. Yeah, I did. <coughs> so,
0: <clears throat> quick water break for everybody.
1: <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Getting
0: to the good part of the story, <clears throat> it must be. It.
1: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> all right. Yeah, yeah do your water. thing, man. I'm dying. <clears throat> yeah,
0: it's all good, man. I'll try to just, I guess, give people interested. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I guess I find that super crazy how it's, you know, I, and I guess I'm trying to model it and think of it in the terms of like how normal people even would just scale a normal business, right? Where it like you start off putting in so much effort at the beginning and then you kind of get that foundation going and you keep going and you need to start off with, you know, honestly, maybe losing money at the beginning and then you're just making like a thousand dollars. And then at a certain point, it's like, okay, I, I've put in all this effort. I, you know, haven't really made much to make it justifiable and then you have to scale it up and go to the next the next thing in the operation
1: yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> excuse me and that's what i realized um at this point even with the in-store carding um <clears throat> i'm making like 5 grand a month you know and everybody's like oh that's cool you know because but i had <clears throat> my bills every month were like 32 or 3300 dollars okay you know, between my car and, and my and my rent. You want
0: you want to take a sec to get your throat <laughs> relaxed a yeah, little bit. That was, that yeah, was <laughs> I can see it in your face. I'm like, oh, we, we could take a sec here, <laughs> stretch it up. Uh If people don't like it, they can just hit plus plus thirty seconds on their on their devices. <laughs> it's an option now, so it's not a big deal. Oh. Uh, <coughs> Oh. Alright. All good? All right, cool. So yeah, so just we're we're talking about scaling so, that business to five thousand. You're making some more money with the in store cards. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so yeah, like okay, I'm making five K a month, you know. But like I said, my bills were thirty two hundred a month, you know? And even at this point, like I had a, I had a good fundamental understanding of finances and saving money and budgeting, but I just wasn't doing it because I was still a kid. Right. You know, so I'm, I'm going out, I'm partying, I'm hanging out in Miami. Now I got a little bit of money to play with. And I realized that this isn't going to last forever. Right. You know what I mean? And so the tipping point for me was, um, me. And so at this point in time, my little brother, my younger brother, um, He's getting older now, and he had always been with my mom okay had been living with my mom and me and I had just took off from my mom and yes yeah, so it you know was
0: living all the way through eighteen I assume he was staying at home okay yeah 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 he was yeah. always
1: he's always been at home um you know me I had been just out wherever right so at, at
0: this point he might have just so, just been getting out of college or was he still in college at this point
1: he was still in college okay. at this point. Yeah. He was up by Michigan He was going to Michigan State. Okay. Um, but he was something had happened and like he needed to leave Michigan and he would just it was taking a break from college. So he came down to Florida to stay with me. Okay. And I get him doing the carding
2: shit. Mm. You
1: know what I mean? Like I get him sucked in. Right. And um so me and him were at a at a at a Walmart one day. And we are we're buying, we go back there to buy a laptop and the guy asked for the credit card and then he asked for the id for the credit card we know we had an id to match the card um and he picks up the phone he says we got a code red back here at electronics in my mind i knew i knew what the deal was right away i'm like we're fucked so i turn around i get on my phone i play like i'm talking and i start walking towards the okay. exit of the up the up the walmart and um I remember the doors open, the, the doors open, and here I hear, like, flip-flops, because my brother was wearing, like, thong fucking flip-flops, and I hear, flip-flip-flip-flip, and my little brother just blows past me, and he's getting chased by two dudes, oh, right? Shit. Uh, one guy tries to grab my shirt, and I knock his hand away, and I kind of did, like, a spin move, and I just bolted out of the parking lot, um, and I went and hid in the woods next door, and then my little brother got picked up and went to jail. Um, I got away, Damn. I hid in the woods for, like, three hours, and then got my car and drove home, and I had to, like bail him out of jail. It was like this whole thing. And that's when I was like, okay, this is getting kind of dangerous,
2: right?
1: you know? And that wasn't the first time I had been ever chased, chased out of the store, but that's like the, that was like the one time where somebody went to jail and like, it was like a whole fucking thing, you know? And so it's like, let's say, okay, let's say you're doing this and let's say you go to, you hit, you put all the Walmarts in your GPS and you hit them all and you get a PlayStation or a big screen from every Walmart. You know what I mean? You're doing good, right? You got fucking five big screen TVs. But what happens is you got to go back next week and you got to do it again. And you got to go back and you got to do it again and do it again. And it's like, you can only hit this. You can only go to the same Walmart so many times and buy, you know, a big screen and a a PlayStation (laughs) before people get hit. Right. Until it's
0: like, all right, what's this guy doing?
1: Yeah. So it's like, I knew that there there was, there was an end coming to what I was doing. Like, it's just, I wasn't going to be able to do it forever. So this is when I start looking into alternative alternative means, you know, for either scale what I'm doing or figure out something else. You know, what's the what's the next step in evolution of this whole well, process? A couple
0: a couple questions, you know? right, on this. Was sure. this um was this intuitive like okay, this isn't gonna last forever? Was that before this incident with your brother or after? That was after.
1: after. Yeah, when that happened, I was yeah. like fuck. You know, because now I'm now I'm right. shell shocked. You know what I mean? Now, some, now fucking something actually yeah. happened. And now I'm, now I'm going now. And now when I go to another store, I'm going to be nervous right.
0: Now. Right. And I assume this was your brother's first offense. And
1: yeah. so then
0: I guess. Yeah. First time,
1: first time ever getting in trouble. Ever. Yeah. And so. Yeah. So I felt, I felt shitty about that. Cause I didn't got him jammed right. up. You know, he's been a good kid his whole life.
0: Right. You know? And then you're like, fuck man. Like, and then not to mention, I'm sure. You know I though it probably wasn't good, his sentence was probably a fraction of whatever you would have gotten, considering your a record, I would assume,
1: yeah, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, like I said, he was a first time offender, so he got a little bit of probation, and that was it you know me i for sure, I mean, I' probably would have got probation too, but it would have been a little bit more probably okay, severe.
0: and so then, I guess at this point, you're like, yeah, you're like shit, like you know, I'm running out of stores. I'm, my nerves are starting to get to me because you gotta be, you gotta be cool. Mm -hmm. Right. Act like, you know what you're doing kind of thing. Um, but then I guess, was there, what was the, what was the idea for the pivot after that?
1: I remember something I either read somewhere or somebody had once told me, and I don't remember how I remember this or how I even applied this to my situation, but it was, uh, during the gold rush, um, the guys mining the gold that were actually going down in the mines, they were getting the gold, they were turning it for money. Those weren't really the guys making money during the gold rush. It was the guys selling the pickaxes. right? The guys selling the pickaxes, the guys selling the shovels, the guys selling the, the, the vendors, the food vendors, those were the people making all the money during the gold rush. Those were the people that made out like bandits. And so I was like, well, Fuck. There's got to be a market in selling the actual cards because I was paying X amount of dollars for these cards and I was going out and using them, and I was like, well, fuck, that kind of removes me. You know what I mean? That kind of removes me from actually having to physically go and put my face on cameras, right. you know, and commit right. felonies. I can go back to the my comfortable anonymity behind the computer screen, and as long as I cover all my bases, you know, I should be okay. It should be. And so I started looking into that. I started looking into becoming a veteran.
0: And so did that require a whole you bunch know? of different research that played into that as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to figure it out. You got to, okay, how are these cards made? You know, let's start there. How are they right. made? You know? you know? So I just started there. I figured out the equipment. And, and then would you... Once I figured out all the, all the equipment I needed, once I figured that out, I figured out how to finance that and get that equipment and then set it up and trial and error and just
0: got to a place where you were just cranking out cards for other people and just selling cards on
1: yeah so something happened um and now once again this is just how my life works but something had happened and three there was like five major vendors of of plastic um, on these forums and three of the five had just either went to prison or got caught or or just stopped making them right period so there was two guys left That we're making, that we're making plastic uh, on all the forums. Okay. Okay. And so I ordered cards from them. I ordered cards from both of them. You know. And I was like, okay, how are these cards being made? And I figured out exactly the equipment I needed to 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 get to make the cards. You know. So then I was like, okay, let me try and become a vendor. So then once I once I had a little bit of trial and error, and I figured out how to make a card, and they weren't really good in the beginning. I became a vendor and I started selling cards. And for whatever reason, the other two guys that were like the main vendors on these, on these forums, they just weren't reliable. Yeah. You know, they weren't reliable. They, you know, you would order cards from them and then sometimes they wouldn't show up for a month if you got them at right. all. You know, they were overpriced. The, the quality of the cards weren't that good. I could tell once I started printing cards and I started playing with the equipment, I can tell they were using cheap mm. printers, you know, because I had a really nice printer. I had a $5,000 okay. printer. Yeah,
0: if you're going to you do know. it, you're going to do it
1: right. And my. Yeah. Oh, no. I said, I went to the, I played like I lost my ID and I went to the DMV to see what, what the model number on the printer was that they were Damn, using to print the cards. <laughs>
0: that's some next level, uh, you know, research into it.
1: Yeah. So once I got that model number, I went online and I found that that model printer was readily available to the Damn, public.
0: That's crazy.
1: Like you could just go and buy it. Yeah. You could just go and buy it.
0: That's wild. you
1: know, so I bought that. I bought the same printer that DMV was using to print driver's licenses and shit. So, so were I you creating printer.
0: driver's license as well?
1: I was the name's yeah. got to
0: match the card.
1: Yeah. I was, I was, I was making driver's licenses uh, and, and debit. Okay. Cards. Yeah.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Jeez, man. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So, so that was essentially your, your scam then was, you know, to sell driver's licenses and then also to sell um, credit cards.
1: Yeah. And I just sold the blank cards. Like I didn't put numbers on them. I didn't have anything to do with that part of the oh. You know, there were, there was a different vendor if you wanted, you know what so I mean? You, like, so you essentially
0: that. were just doing like business to business sales. You were a business, <laughs> legal business at that share, but a business that was creating right. the physical card and then you would sell it to a different, a different vendor that at
1: wholesale, wholesale
0: prices that would then print on, whether it's the strips or what, whatever it is, they would just print on the numbers yep. or whatever have you. Yep. Okay. Right. And so then were you doing the right. same thing with like uh, driver's licenses or did you create those all on your own?
1: So um, I would I would do the IDs, but I didn't really do them too much. And I would charge like $350 for one. So my basic package was a um, $1,000 minimum order. And for a thousand dollars you would get a hundred uh, visa or MasterCard blanks, whatever whatever, you know, you could specify. And then uh, I wouldn't give you um, you know, like a hundred IDs, but I would work with you on the driver's licenses. You know, I'd give you one per every ten or something like that, or one per every five or something okay. like that. Yeah. So it, it was a thousand dollar minimum order with okay. it, period. You know, I didn't I didn't nickel and dime, I didn't do piecework, I didn't sell one right. or two.
0: Keep it in bulk, it saves yeah. a hassle on so many different things. And then at this point okay, in the yeah. operation, uh two questions is is number 1 how long was this mm. after like your your initial research into it, did you start like hitting your stride with it and what did the scale of like income was like?
1: All of this happened within the span of 1 okay. year. Okay. From starting the research on on carding through the virtual carding into the store carding into making credit cards, all happened within the span of pretty much 1 year. So by the end of that year, I had been like, okay, I had went through everything and then finally got to the point to where I was like starting.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is, damn, man. I mean, that's pretty crazy. And then, and then were you, I guess you were seeing, you know, money coming in that was worth going through this expense, worth going to this, like with this, this trouble, this rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. Well, in the beginning, man, the money. Because there were so many vendors online selling cards, I didn't really make that much money. I would do maybe like one or two orders a month, you know, then three orders a month. Um, and then I remember I woke up one morning and I had 20 Damn. orders already paid. Really? For already paid. For
0: was it from one yep. specific person or 20 different people?
1: No, it was 20 different people. Like, I don't know what happened. Um, I don't know, you know, like I, I had been paying for banner ads on all of these forums uh with my my name i was u.s plastico was my name and, and um i was paying for banner ads and um like i said i woke up one morning i had 20 fucking orders that's twenty thousand dollars that's you know? crazy i had never seen that much money
0: before Jeez. My time. what did you feel whenever
1: that happened yep. were you excited were you nervous i was nervous because i was like man this could be the fans right. or something you know uh, but, after I processed those orders and I got those orders out and I collected all the money um you know the orders just kept coming in after it, that like, yeah like, like the same
0: like twenty orders every month kind of thing
1: <clears throat> it, uh it started at like twenty and then got went to twenty five went to thirty and then I remember it like what I deemed to be the very pinnacle of my success uh I was doing a hundred wow. orders a month on average now, not every month. You know, some were 50, 60, 80, but there was, I think there was like a two or three month span one year where I did a hundred orders every and, single
0: month. And you were saying that there was there a thousand dollars per order. You weren't doing anything less than that either.
1: That's a hundred thousand dollars. I was making a little over a hundred thousand dollars. That's insane. Month. Yep. No, yep. that's, it was, it which was is insane.
0: an insane amount of money for anybody to be touching or even looking at. What did you, what were you yeah. doing with this money? Was it,
1: man, um. You know, I I really regret not spending any of it because I didn't – I was nervous to spend a lot of it. You know, I wasn't wasn't dumb. I wasn't going to go out and buy a a Lamborghini or go and buy a Ferrari, you know, and then go buy a a half million dollars in jewelry and go out to the club every weekend. I wasn't going to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like I had seen too many of those fucking guys go to prison for that dumb shit. So I wasn't going to be that guy, you know. So – and, you know, a lot of the money, all the money I had, I had it, I had set up, um, bank accounts using, um, false identities, Okay. you know, so I had corporate accounts set up. So, uh, you know, I had never, honestly, I had never really in my entire life, I've never had more than $80,000 in cash on me at one point.
0: Which is time. still a good amount, but. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I had it spread out through like, you know, multiple bank accounts. I had a little over three point, between 3.5 and $3.8 million. Jeez. Um. In cash, I only had about eighty thousand. Okay,
0: the time. yeah, but then just it was spread yeah. out, you know, across different channels, different avenues, and yeah. and, and so then,
1: yeah, I, I had debit cards, and I could wire money here and go grab a debit card and pull it out, or you know, write a cashier's check, or however I needed to move funds around. There's a hundred different avenues right, to do right,
0: so. different different institutions, different you know ways yeah. to not leave your trace yeah. on it, kind of thing, and so. The the question I keep asking you, and I'm still curious, was there any warning flags at this point, like, hey man, like you know, this isn't the right path, or you know, you're you're starting to approach a certain amount of money that like the US government isn't gonna turn a blind eye to. Like, was there any sort of yeah. warning signs there?
1: Um man, you know, they're just I was so cocky, man. There just there really was no paranoia, you know, because I was A, I was doing this by myself. Okay. So I nobody knew what I was doing. I then wasn't involving anybody. I didn't have a team of people helping me nothing. I was doing this all alone. You know, <clears throat> and in my mind there was no way I could ever get caught. Right. You know? And as I felt as long as I was smart with the money and I didn't like tip off the IRS or you know, make too much of big crazy giant purchases, I felt like I was smart enough to be able to shuffle all this money around and hide it to where I just wanted to create a life for myself, to where I always had access to everything, I, everything that I need, and I never had to worry about, you know, my bills being paid or food or anything like that. I didn't give a shit about buying jewelry and buying cars and mansions, and I didn't give a fuck. You were about cool, just that. the bare minimum. You know, I just, yeah, because you know, I've been, I, I come from, I've been living in scarcity right. my whole life. You know what I mean? I've been living hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck for as long as I can remember. So for me, having that kind of um, financial stability for the foreseeable future,
0: you, you know, were good.
1: Fuck, I could wake up in the morning and just lay in bed all day and I have yeah. to do shit, you know, because I didn't, I didn't, I, you know, there was no, there, cause you know, when you're poor, you wake up in the morning, unless you're just a scumbag, you, there's this like sense of urgency. Like I have to fucking get up and start doing things and making, you know what I mean? I've start doing, making shit happen and, you know, whatever I got going on to pay my bills and, you know, all this shit, but once you have that much money just sitting there, it's like all of that goes away. You're just chilling.
0: I mean, they, you know,
1: all of that goes away, all of the worry, all of the fear, all of that, you know, uh, just that sickness inside of you. of Like I could be fucking homeless next month. Like that just That's all no longer
0: a, a thing, you know? right? I mean, you, you have 3.5 million just stashed away, chilling. You're like, we're good. And yeah. so did you have like a, a plan to get out or was there any thought of, well, once I hit, you know, 5 million or 10 million, then I'm going to call it quits.
1: It was 5, it was five million.
0: million.
1: It was 5 million. Once I hit $5 million, I was going to, I was going to invest. Uh, I was going to start maybe a couple small businesses and then um, maybe like a tattoo shop, something like that. Yeah. yeah, That was the good, that was, was the five. Go- that was the end goal, and so you got the yeah you got the, the three
0: point 5. five, and then when did it all turn around? Come crashing down. Uh, in
1: 2009. 2009. Um, yeah, I moved from Miami to. Well, I did. I had a place in Miami, but I was. I had met a girl, and I was dating her, and we had a baby together. And in two thousand and nine, um, I decided to move to a small town in, in South Carolina, where she okay. was from. And so we went up there and I still have a place in Miami. And so, but we went up there and we bought a townhome uh, and we started and I was like, well, fuck, I can just print cards up here and nobody will ever know anything. You know, I can do this from wherever I'm at. It doesn't okay. matter. So I started printing cards in, in in South Carolina and mailing them out. And there was two UPS stores in the, like, the surrounding area that I was in, in, in South okay. Carolina, as opposed to South Florida, where there's you put them in your GPS and you, you wouldn't have to hit a different one. For months, oh, okay. You know? Yeah,
0: you could every single day you're saying like you could. There's probably 40 or 50 within a 5-mile, 10-mile radius in Florida. Right. Exactly.
1: Um, and you and I walk in and my package is already sealed and it's already got a, a UPS label on it. All you do is you give them $5, they scan it in, they put it in there. Right.
0: Their and so they're not going to track That's any it. sort of it consistency. This guy comes in, he gives this. It's like, you know, you
1: Yeah. Yeah. And everybody everybody looks like me in my Everybody's tattooed. They don't care. They know.
0: probably know. I mean, I didn't I mean have... you know, you're coming just right out of that cocaine era. They're like, you know, probably half the guys, you probably were no different I mean, you know, there was probably 10 other guys that were doing the same thing in that area. And they're just like, all right, whatever. Like we're not going to try to raise flags here. But then you go to South Carolina where there's two stores and what, what happened there? Did you just not think it was a a big deal or like what, what was the mindset with that?
1: No, I didn't, you know, I, I told uh, one of the guys, the store I had uh, that I owned a, um, I, I refurbished, um, uh, secondhand electronics and I sold them on the internet, you know, so I buy in bulk off eBay and I, you know, replace them and fix them. And I got my own little company and I built a website. Um, you know, it was a functioning okay. website you could go to and I had, had a phone, I had a, a virtual okay. office that you could call and they would take phone calls and they you know, accept mail and everything. And so I, on all, in all, it was a legitimate company and, um, yeah, so you know, I I've been doing it for for months and months and then apparently the guy, the old man at the UPS store, which I didn't know this at the time, he was the mm.
0: owner. Okay.
1: You know, it's a franchise. Uh he opened one of my packages. Oh. That I was sending out and found um I was I had like 500 uh Visa cards was going out but
0: Jeez.
1: He contacted the postmaster general, the postmaster general uh contacted the secret service. Jeez and they set up a stinger. Well,
0: real quick. I mean, is that well, I guess if he opens that package, is that not fraudulent? Like, I mean, yes. So did he yeah, get any is. repercussions for something like that?
1: Uh, no, but I essentially got like 14 or 13 years knocked off mm. my
0: sentence. Oh, well, I mean.
1: In the and the very end.
0: I mean, I guess there's the yeah. there's the asterisk there, right? But yeah. damn. So yeah. then I guess they set a sting operation where what you just brought this packet. How would you, how would you set up a sting? Because they, they wouldn't be allowed to open um, your mail either. Would they?
1: They, they sent me an email uh, telling me I had a package there. Okay. So, and coincidentally I did. Uh, and so when I went in to get the package, I signed for it and I was going to walk out the door and they came in and blocked the door on me. Okay. And said, uh, what well, name was I? Ryan Pearson was uh, the name I was using back then. They were, like, they were like, Ryan Pearson? I was like, yeah. And they were like, uh, well, we need to talk to you about what you've been sending out of here. And I tried to play stupid for a minute. And I'm like, fuck. And they're like, well, let's let's just go back and talk. Just come in back and talk to us. I'm like, all right. So we go in back and uh, he pulls out the box and he puts the cards in the table. And, you know, at this point, I'm like, well, I know a couple of things at this point. Um, a, they don't know who I am, right. really. Because if they did, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'd be in here Right. First. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm playing with them a little bit now. I'm trying to figure out how much do they know without letting them know that right. I know that they don't know right. a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I know how to play mind games. I'm not scared. Right. I've been dealing with law enforcement my entire was fun. life. Like most people would be like – most people would be scared. They'd be like, just tell themselves. You know, but – um. I'm a veteran at this point, you know, like, so I'm like, okay, let me figure this out. Let me, let me play with him a little bit. And he's like, well, if you just play ball with us, you're not going to jail. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm not going to jail. So it's like, yeah, all right. I've been printing credit cards. Uh, he said, how long have you been doing it for? I said, just a few months. He says, well, where have you been doing it at? I was like, well, I got, um, at my condo, I got in, I had a walk-in closet where all my equipment was set up. And he were like, OK, well, they got on the phone with their boss and they contacted somebody uh, at the headquarters and then they contacted them back. Um, so what happened is they, they fingerprinted me and they booked me in the back of the UPS store, took all my uh-huh. prints, took pictures of me, got my driver's license, social security number, all that shit. They had a bunch of paperwork faxed in saying that they could search and seize anything that was used for fraud in my, in my place. They put me in the back of their car, drove me to my condo came in searched and seized all of my equipment uh my safe all my printing equipment anything with removable storage on it they took any laptop any hard drive any sd card any you know um back then there, there we didn't have cell phones with cameras on them back then so that we had digital okay. cameras uh, any digital cameras they took it all wow. and uh they gave me a card and they gave me a date uh and they're like you need to be at this address on this date um to give a statement uh, and he's like, you're going to have a court date. Uh, he's like, but we're not going to take you to jail right now. And he's like, if you don't show up on this at this address on this date, you're going to have a warrant up for your arrest. I was like, all right. Is there
0: any inkling? And the first thing I'm thinking of is like when they were talking to you that you needed to have like a lawyer present or anything? Like whenever they were like, oh, well, you're not going to go to jail if you tell us. Did that never kind of come in or what was thought um, there?
1: I no, I I just knew what to say. I knew what not to say. And I knew at this point they were – I see. I what they thought, and I knew this at this time. They thought that I was just a small cog in a very much larger right. wheel. Yeah, you know what I mean. So they're like, okay, we got the little guy. Let's try and get
0: right. The main fish.
1: And I and I knew that, and I used that to my advantage.
0: Okay, and so then you
1: know to stay to stay out of jail. And so then
0: I yeah. guess did they? Did so? Whenever they took all of your stuff, and you, well, maybe I'm jumping ahead of the story, but maybe it's a good intro to it. Mm-hmm. Is did they? Figure out you know the size of your operation as it went along, or maybe just what happened when you showed up at the courtroom
1: when I showed up, I had to go to the the Secret Service uh, headquarters in Columbia, South oh, wow. Carolina, and I walked into this room, and there was this long table, and there was like maybe thirteen people sitting around this table, all older gentlemen uh, that I found out later they had flown in from d c from Los Angeles from Vegas. All the heads of all of the, the cyber crime units from all over the country were at that table Wow, when I walked in. And it spread out on the table. They had screenshots of everything I had been doing online over the past two and a half years. Every fucking forum I was on, they had screenshots of my posts. They had screenshots of conversations that I had had on, on IR, uh, ICQ chats oh my with, with federal agents. They had screenshots of cards that they had ordered from me, like you know, 12, 13 months in the past, all this shit.
0: Jeez. Yeah.
1: And they'd never, they did, but they never knew who I was or where I was at. Yeah, So they had been, they had, they knew who I was for, for like two or three years, but they just never. Wow. So
0: the, you were being tracked, I guess, for years, it sounds like. And then they, you know, just a yeah. little slip up. They were just like, okay, whatever. But then once you had to show up is, I guess that's when they put the pieces together.
1: Yeah. I got caught by accident being, like I said, there was just no way for them to ever, they didn't know who I was or what I was doing wow. or where I was at. I mean, they knew I was in South Florida, but they didn't know. They had no idea. And and fraud is so fucking huge in South Florida. Everybody's right. making fraud, you know, in one form or another. Um,
0: they were trying try to so, find the big fish. But
1: yeah, it wasn't until I went. It was just, it was just through a random sequence of of unfortunate fucking events that led to me actually getting caught.
0: That is crazy. Yep. I mean, and I guess at this point, would you have had a, a lawyer with you? And and what was that whole process like? Like. Going yeah, like were they, um, were they just kind of? I mean, these are people that.
1: After that meeting, <clears throat> after that meeting, I didn't hear anything for years. Really? Three four years went by and nothing, no court. Dates, well, okay, no so
0: shit. what happened at this meeting? Then was it just like they just wanted to know how you did it, or they, they just, just said we know?
1: Yeah, they for like three and a half hours they asked okay. me questions, and I stuck to my guns from the very beginning. I was like, listen, I didn't. I only made. I didn't really make that much money doing this. Uh, I'd only been doing it for X amount of time since from the very first time I, I figured out that they had been watching me. And, you know, I was just like, I just gave a statement and they asked me, do you know this person? Uh, do you know how to code? Do you speak Russian? Uh, you know, all this shit. And I was like, you know, I, listen, I don't do de- 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 there. Who's helping you? That's the question they kept asking me, like, who's helping you? Who's supplying you? Who taught you? I'm like, listen, I am self-taught. I'm an autodidact. You know, I have been my whole life. What is life that, autodidact? Everybody. You know, even Ted. Uh, yeah, I I learned. You know, I'm oh, self taught okay. everything. Okay. Like just know? yeah, that's just a ter- okay. terminology for it. It's, it's called okay. autodidact. Somebody who never who's heard self-taught. that before, but okay, cool. Yeah, and, and that's what I am. I'm, I, and I've always been self taught. And I told them, I was like, listen, it's all been through trial and error. I learned how to do all this on my own. You know, and it's just it is what it is. And they just they couldn't really. Me. They just did not believe me. No, they didn't believe me. Um, but they let me go. And I walked right out the door, and
0: that's wild.
1: That was it, you know. So for like six or eight months, dude, I didn't know what to do. Right. I thought for sure all my phones were tapped. I thought I was being followed. Sure. No paranoia. sure. I mean, they
0: just let you out. You're um, like, you know, you, you know, you did. You were caught doing something wrong, right? Like you admitted to illegal activity yeah. of some sort, no matter how small the time frame yeah. it might have been. Comparatively, it's like shit like you know and probably very valid paranoia i'm sure that they were at some level um was there again I, I don't know why i keep going back to it but was there any sort of consulting with any sort of like lawyer or legal representative to figure out what you should do next
1: i did i called a lawyer and i i got a good lawyer uh, I i put a retainer down and you know uh they told me that there's nothing we can really do until i there's a, a um an indictment because it has cuz it's going to be a federal case and so they have to go uh in front of i don't remember how the process but they have to go get a federal indictment and then that has to come down and then they have to issue that and then i'm going to have to go to court and they she broke down the whole process for me and i'm like okay she's like so when that when you get contact and you get that initial uh paperwork with your um your discovery and all that shit from from the from the united states um Bureau of Prisons or whoever is going to prosecute me, uh, she's like, then we can okay. move forward.
0: And so, so I mean, at least you that's, know? you know, I guess a starting point of figuring it out. Yeah. And, then, and then you said it was like two to three years where there was nothing, you know, discussed. Were you, like, what were you doing at this point? Were you still like using the money that you put away?
1: I, ge- I, ge- I geared up for another <laughs> you run.
0: Did? You're ready to start printing cars again?
1: Yeah. I fucking, after about a year, I didn't know what to do and all my money is... Cause i had I had a storage unit they didn't know about that I didn't tell about I had money and a few things um the my girlfriend that I was with uh, my fiance left me when all oh this God. happened she you know she had my son and she was like you know pretty much f you did she know um, that this was happening you know, so as I it was went happening back. or okay of course yeah yeah, yeah she okay. um so she left me and so I went back to Miami and I didn't know what to yeah. do. You know, I still, I still knew a few contacts. So I just, I contacted one of my guys that I knew placed big orders with me every month. And I was like, listen, I'm sorry for falling off the map. You know what I mean? Like, can you send me like 20 grand? I need to fucking buy more equipment. And, you know, so he did, he sent me $20,000 and I I bought a bunch of equipment. Jeez. Yeah. I just geared up for another run. I ended up making like another million and a half dollars. Really? Some shit like that. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, over the next like two and, oh, and a half. Oh, that's years.
0: insane, man! And so, so then would yeah. your have, have total been come up to that five million mark at this point then?
1: Yeah, we'll see. When they when they came to my house, they took all my laptops, they took all my hard drives, they took everything. So all of my access to my bank accounts, um, everything okay. was gone. Uh, I had a safe. I had all my IDs, my passports, my driver's licenses in there. So they knew uh, all
0: the 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 uh, shell names that you had going on at this point.
1: And see, here's the thing: is they had all of this shit, and they didn't look into anything. Really? They didn't listen. They could have sent all my shit up to DC and some like fore, uh, um What do they call forensic them? analyst? Uh, um, forensic analysts could have went through everything. They didn't. Nothing ever came back. Really? Nothing. They never looked into anything. Yeah, when listen, when I went to court and I got charged, they had to throw so much shit out that I only got stuck with aggravated identity theft, which carried a mandatory 24 months.
0: Really? That's it?
1: That was it? That was what? it? <laughs> Wait, what? They got they got rid of. They got Yeah, listen, they had to get rid of the the possession of a fraudulent transaction device, the manufacturing of a fraudulent transaction device, possession of counterfeiting equipment, mail fraud, all that gone. I took a plea bargain. When they came with that plea bargain, it said twenty four months mandatory. I was like, "Where do I Jeez. sign?" Let's go, because i I had already been I had already been down like thirteen right. months waiting to get right.
0: sentenced.
1: So I had like another nine or ten months to go, when I was going to be scot free. Oh, go. so
0: it was only the oh, so it was since they took your stuff that that was your plea bargain was in in that range. Is that what you're saying?
1: When they finally picked me up, I see I got picked up. Uh, they put a warrant out for my arrest without me oh. even knowing it. And I didn't get picked up till like, 2012 oh, okay. or something like that. What, yeah, like 2012. But how, do they, how
0: do they place a warrant out for you and not even tell you? That's wild. I don't
1: know. You know I, I mean, a couple of years went by, I had moved, so I guess they didn't have, like, an uh, address okay. or even a phone number for me.
0: Jeez. You know,
1: and I had a warrant off for my arrest this whole time. I didn't even know it, and I am I was just driving one day. And oh, I got really?
0: Like, yeah, I was just like...
1: Yep, and they picked me up, yep, and they're like, okay, you have a a federal, a felony federal warrant out for your arrest out of the Southern district of South Carolina, you know, and I was in Florida and I went to jail and I had to get extradited all the way down to South Carolina and, you know, go through all that shit. And, Jeez,
0: yeah. man, that's wild.
1: And when I, fi- I finally got sentenced, I only got 24 That is
0: months. so wild.
1: Yeah. Their initial plea was, um, 115 months.
0: Really? And then, but then.
1: Yeah. That was the initial get thrown out. Because my lawyer went and looked through my um my discovery packet. What's a
0: what's a discovery packet? And figured packet? out that
1: the um so when you go to, in front of a federal judge, they give you they have to by law they have to uh, give you all of the evidence that okay. they have against you, so that you can look at it and, and understand why okay. you're being charged. It's called a discovery packet. And when a, me and my lawyer were going over my discovery packet, she was going through the the initial um. You know, investigation that was done that how they were alerted to who I actually was. And we figured it out that that old man wasn't supposed to open uh, my mail because he didn't pay for that. He didn't. I didn't put the label on at his UPS store and seal it. I paid for the label using my own uh, shipping okay. program, uh, Pitney Bowes shipping program. And I put the label on. I sealed my own mail and it was, the postage was already paid for through the United States Postal uh. Service, which Deemed my mail a federal piece of 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 federal mail. Now the only person that has the authority to open federally sealed mail is the um, Postmaster General or the Secret Service okay. themselves. Not, Not him. him. So there was so he was supposed to contact the, the Postmaster General. The Postmaster General is supposed to come down and open my package. If he if he was suspecting that I was something illegal was going on, he, then he There was a, a a certain protocol that he was supposed to follow, and he didn't which he knew because he owned the UPS store. So he was aware of the protocol because yeah, that's he, you know wild, I mean? man. So that all that talk about I had another, a good lawyer. I had and a talk good about another silver
0: so lining in your whole story of things where it's like such a small technicality saved you. What was that almost 90 months, which is insane. Yep. Fuck yep. man. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And so
0: then, well, yeah. from this second operation that you were doing, were you able to, you know, relinquish any of that money after the fact? Cause I guess they wouldn't have been aware of that.
1: No. Uh, right. So I had, I had remarried uh, within these two or three years span and I was down in, in Miami and my wife uh, was responsible for everything after I went, to okay. prison, uh, which was a nightmare because she was just a nightmare to deal with. You know, she was uh, young. She was like in her early twenties had just came over here from Cuba. Um, completely irresponsible. Didn't know how to manage money. And yeah, she ripped and she ripped through everything that I had saved.
0: Yeah. Fuck man.
1: And then when I get out of prison, she has a guy living with her and she's pregnant and the whole, it was just a nightmare.
0: Just adding fuel to the fire. Yeah. So at this point then, I guess you're, you know, you did your time, you're coming back out of jail. Was there another sort of reawakening type period where you're like, damn, it happened again. I need to get my like ducks back in a line.
1: Uh, I started fucking around again, and went <laughs> did <back>. you really? You couldn't stay away. Yeah. Oh, dude, listen, man, listen. I, was, I okay. I I got out, and I they put me six months halfway house. Now, when I get out of prison, I have nothing. All right. I my wife, she doesn't know what happened to any of my clothes, none of my stuff. I have no money. I have nothing, nothing. So I get put into a halfway house with nothing. Uh, they give me a job making eight fifty an hour, working at a frozen food warehouse, a kosher frozen food warehouse, working six at night till six in the morning. Damn! I got six months to save money to get an apartment right. when I get out, or right. I'm fucked. So I worked that six months, busted my ass in a warehouse, um, you know, making dog shit, you know, riding the train to work, catching the bus to work every day. I finally got a halfway house. I move into this little, you know, uh, efficiency apartment in Miami, which was eight hundred fifty dollars a month. And everything was in one room, my bed, my refrigerator, my stove, my bathroom, everything was in one little tiny room. I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning. I was walking a mile and a half to downtown Miami uh, to catch the first train an hour north to catch a bus another hour to go work in a warehouse for $11 an hour. Uh, and then I'd have to run that whole route all the way back home. So I wasn't getting home till wow. like midnight. And I'd get like five hours of sleep and I'd have to do it all over again. Uh I, I just lost it. I was like, there, I, there's no fucking, listen, I, I had just been flying private. I was driving brand new cars. You know what I mean? I was, I had access to unlimited amounts of funds and now I'm all the way back. Gosh, at the bottom,
0: like yeah. a Yeah. What a spiral back.
1: I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. And, um, I had met a girl in the halfway house who her brother kind of knew what I used to do. And me and him got to talking and he, we and him went into business and then that went South real quick and I ended up getting caught um so this is a whole another fucking crazy story, man. Um so I, he sent some shit to my house that that shouldn't have been sent to my house. Uh it had to go through customs and it got stopped at customs. It was the little holograms for the the credit cards, little Visa and MasterCard holograms. They got caught in customs, they were coming to my house. So two DSL uh guys showed up at my door one day, clearly who were not DSL yeah. guys. They had slick back hair, a couple of young guys. They were, yeah. not, they were from the uh Miami Financial Uh uh Crimes Division unit oh, wow. in Miami. And so they got the package from Customs and they went to go deliver it at my house. And I, I tried to play stupid with them, and I'm like, you know, I don't know who that's here for. I didn't have nothing in my house. I didn't have I didn't have nothing. Uh, so I just played stupid. I'm like, you know, that's not my package. I don't know. You know, I just moved in here, it's not mine. <laughs> right when they were there, FedEx shows up. With a giant box. Okay. And inside that box is an embossing oh. machine. Like a twenty five hundred dollar <laughs> embossing machine, right? Okay. They so they go and so they go and talk oh. to the FedEx guy. The FedEx guy's like, listen, I've delivered multiple packages here, and he oh. signed for them. The same name that was on the box from FedEx was on the package that yeah. they were delivering. Oh. They connected everything. Right oh. there, I was F. Right there they knew. Yeah, worst fucking luck of my life.
0: Oh, man, dude, so, that is wild. But they couldn't open the FedEx yep, packs. Right? I'm on
1: probation. I just got out of the halfway house. The fucking FedEx guy Fuck. shows up. He's got the package, the embosser. They got the holograms. The whole thing is just a nightmare, dude. I'm going back to prison. <sighs> They're like, well, we want the lab. They kept saying, we want the lab. We want the lab. Um, And in my mind, at this point, dude, I'm like, you know what, man? I told this fucking guy not to send anything to my house. He sent some shit to my house, and here I am. i well,
0: Do you know why he sent? Because, do you know why he sent it ignorance. to your house.
1: I don't know why. Maybe because he was he didn't want to send it to like a random address and it get it get caught. But how then, long like, were you
0: doing this for?
1: I guess he was like, oh, it's not going to be a big deal or whatever. I'll just. But how long know.
0: were you doing this for? Such that it like like because if if you were running this operation for a little bit, right, when you're doing the holograms and the ID, why was there this one instance where you decided to send it to your house?
1: No, we hadn't even got gotten set oh. up yet. Oh. We were still in the process of fucking Getting it. You know, okay. it all shit.
0: started. I guess that explains why the the yeah. printer was coming to your place.
1: The emboss, yeah, yeah. So he was sending all this shit to my house when I told him not to send nothing to my house. I was like, dude, don't send anything Ugh. to my house. Right as they're there, he calls. <laughs> and and I was like it's so they were like answer it, answer it. I'm like fuck. I didn't want to. I didn't want to answer the phone. They made me answer the phone. I put it on speaker And here he is asking if the, if the holograms got there, if the fucking machine is there, can I bring it to him? What's going on? I'm just like, I'm like, no, I don't think I can bring you any of that stuff today. And they're standing there shaking their head. Yeah. I'm like, fuck man. So dude, they made me, I mean, I could have said no go to jail, you know what I mean? But dude, they made me go and meet this dude. They made me put the shit in my car and go and meet this guy. Um, and then I gave all the shit to him and he drove to his house and they followed him to his house and raided him. Fuck. Uh with all he had he had all the printers, the embossers, uh, he had man. everything at his house. Yeah. So then they came back to me where they were holding me and they're like, they gave back my phone. They're like, Okay, you can go. Really? Yeah. And they were like, um, but you know, you're on probation, so we have to report this to your probation officer by law.
0: What happened with that?
1: I knew I had enough time to get home and pack my fucking bags and get to the airport before my probation officer was notified and showed up.
0: Really? So you just booked it? You got out of there?
1: Oh, I booked it. Fuck yeah! yeah, Out of there. I went home. I, oh, dude. I listen. I went home. I packed my shit. I got my car. I drove to Fort Lauderdale International Airport. I left my car at the airport. It's probably still sitting there to this day in long term parking, like seven for seven years. I just left it there. I got on an airplane. I took off. Went to Michigan. Um. I'm in Michigan for like the whole summer. And then my wife calls me, uh, from Nebraska and was like, I need you to come out to, um, I need you to come out here and help me with Aiden, which is our son at that time. I was like, all right, you know, fuck it. And, uh, so I got to Nebraska and I get, uh, some, a whole another fucking wild shit happens while I'm out there. And I get picked up by the police, uh, and I had a warrant off of my arrest, obviously, because I absconded on probation. You know, I just stopped reporting and took off from right. Florida on right. federal probation.
0: But how and, are you um, able to get? How are you able to get on get, a plane I, if you were on probation and a federal probation in Florida? They don't care.
1: Oh yeah, there's no, there's they can't stop you. There's no like list or. Oh like, really? Unless I'm on like a no-fly okay. list.
0: But I guess okay, probation doesn't wasn't. like include like. I feel like usually, maybe this is just my conception of it, but probation in my mind is usually like you need to stay in this area or within the city.
1: Oh yeah, you better not leave. Okay,
0: gotcha, gotcha.
1: It's not like there's no system. Yeah, (laughs) no, 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 no. no. Yeah, they don't know if I'm getting on an airplane. They don't know where I'm at. Um. So yeah, man, I end up out in Nebraska. I end up, so I end up getting wrapped up in a whole bunch of bs out there uh which was had nothing to do with me at all i just was guilty by association so the police you know came over and asked me some questions asked me what my name was and they ran me and seen that i had a federal warrant out for my arrest so then i ended up getting extradited all the way back to south carolina that process took like six months Uh, i was in every little fucking i was in oklahoma i was in uh, atlanta i was in uh you know out in uh every little podunk county jail between nebraska and, and why South is that they just
0: have to transport you i get back move in, you to jail to jail
1: yeah you go one place you might sit there for a week until the next transport comes and then they put you on an airplane like okay. on air and they fly you to like a main processing place in oklahoma and you sit there for like three four weeks and then they process they take you to uh, atlanta the usp in atlanta and you sit there for like a month and then the uh, so it's like a whole fucking damn worst fucking
0: yeah, experience crazy. In my life worst that's experience crazy. In my
1: life um yeah, so I finally get back in front of the judge and dig this man. These motherfuckers didn't even tell my probation officer shit. Really? They didn't tell her anything. I was getting violated for absconding. My because the, the report that my probation officer put in is that I just stopped reporting.
0: Really? <laughs> yep. So the whole thing with like the UPS guys, that whole thing never even was told to your probation officer.
1: Nope. Never even came Bach back to man. me. <laughs> yep. But dig this, I had three years of paper. The judge killed my paper and kicked me out the door as a really? man. Really?
0: What did you mean three yep. years of paper?
1: Uh, I had three years of uh, federal uh, supervision. Oh, and probation. he just got
0: rid of it. They Why just was canceled
1: that? it. My judge told me that I'm not supervisable. Interesting. Yeah, because I guess they because they had I'd taken off. I had taken off. I took it off a few times uh, at this point them, And they, they had to extradite me, uh, from Florida initially from Florida to South Carolina to in, my initial yeah. sentencing, Uh, and then I, I took off again and they had to extradite me and they're like, it's just, it's just costing us too much money to extradite you all around the country. Every time you take off on probation and listen, I I've never been a violent offender. I have no drug charges ever in my life. Um, so, you know, I'm not a danger to society per se, right. You know, it was right. just fraud. You know, and they stay, they figured that, and I and I didn't owe any restitution. Okay,
0: what's what's I don't know what restitution you know, is.
1: You um, so say I commit a crime and they, I have to pay like ten thousand dollars restitution to whoever I defrauded gotcha. or whatever I owe money to or whatever. But no, I had no restitution. Interesting. So if I don't owe you guys any money, then it's costing you money to supervise. Right.
0: Me. That's fascinating. That they were just like, oh, like it's just costing us money, so we're just gonna like let them go. It's interesting. That was That's like it. the decision that was made as opposed to, in my mind, it's like, okay, well, we're going to put you in jail.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, even that costs more money than supervising. I
0: see. That's interesting.
1: Because now they got to house and feed me and transport right. me. Right. You know? So, and, I, and I'm low risk. Like I'm not, I'm not like a physical danger. Right. You've
0: never hurt anyone. Never you know? hurt yourself. So, Damn. Yeah, I, that yeah. seems like it, it's. Saving you from that brink every you know throughout the story in certain ways. Yeah,
1: and that was and that was two thousand and sixteen. Okay, so I've been a free man. Have you sense, gone so.
0: back to any nefarious activity since then? All good. Fuck no, we're done back, with it, no, man. Yeah. What was the What was the turning point?
1: Yeah. Well, see, I got, I got, um, I wrote a book while I was in okay. federal prison. What well, you were this about? Um, I met a man by the. I met a man by the name of Matthew Cox and, and I wrote a book uh, about my life and pretty much this whole story uh, starting from my childhood all the way up until, you know, my eventual incarceration. Um, And I published it when I got out. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's available on Amazon. It's called. We'll Bent. drop
0: a link below uh, if anyone wants to buy it. My,
1: yeah. It's basically my uh, memoir, you know, my personal memoir. Um, and you know, that, I didn't really do much with it after about the year after I got out. Um, and then I actually ended up getting a job uh, when I was, so when I, so I'll finish the story. Um, so I go out to South Carolina, I go out to, I'm sorry, Nebraska. And after I'm released from, after they kicked me out and they, they canceled my probation and shit, um, I went back out to okay. Nebraska to okay. be with my wife. Um, found out that she was doing, you know, a whole lot of just dirty stuff behind my back and the relationship just was just completely fell apart. And I decided at that point um, not to go back to to Florida.
0: Okay, you were done with yeah. Florida because
1: I knew if I went if I went back to Florida, I was going to start doing fraud again. Just that period.
0: environment was it like the environment and, just cultivated that out of you, brought it out?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, people, right. places, and things. You know, uh, everybody who I hung out with, associated with, they're all fraudsters. You know, uh, just the lifestyle in Miami. It's the flashy. Look at me. Look at me. You know, everybody's a peacock mm-hmm. with their feathers out, you know, uh, um, there's no
0: getting away from it.
1: So I, I knew, yeah, I, I knew that I couldn't go back to that. You know, at this point I knew that, uh, I had a chance to actually do something with my life. That's at awesome. Point.
0: I mean, that's a great realization. Yeah. What, what kind of sparked that yeah. in your, uh, mentality?
1: Just get older, older, I guess. Yeah, just getting older, you know. Now at this point, I'm in my 30s. Uh, I got released from halfway house on my 30th birthday. Okay. You know, so I'm just I'm just getting older, and I'm just like, you know, I'm I just like I said, I've always been kind of. Um, I I wouldn't say that I'm highly intelligent. I don't think that I'm you know, like Albert Einstein. I don't really feel like I have a um, a giant IQ or anything. But I've always been just smart enough to see things right at that fulcrum point.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? Like I've always been smart enough to realize like it, I have to do something right now or else it's going to go. A dark right. place.
0: And so then where, have you kind of you been know? channeling <laughs> so, that into something else then? now.
1: Oh, Oh yeah. You know, I, um, I, so I ended up going and working at Tesla. Oh yeah. Uh, I ended up going from Nebraska out to Northern California. I just got my car and just fucking drove okay. up to California. You know, didn't know anybody out there, you know, didn't know, didn't know shit. Um, I was, I had, I started applying for jobs in Nebraska, in California before I went and I applied for Tesla. It was a logistics position. You know, I, I was like not running the joint or anything, but it was just, you know, basic logistics, um, which I had a little bit of experience with just throughout the years of working in a warehouse. <laughs> I mean, your whole resume
0: shit. of your business of, uh, you know, creating frauds. There's definitely logistics involved with, uh, printing cards, getting cards out. Yeah.
1: I just, Exactly. I have just a real good understanding of logistics, and you know how global fucking goods and would services would that be move something that you would put on your like that. resume
0: that you had done those things, like because it's a valid experience for being logistics, but you know it's not the legal.
1: Um, maybe if I just reworded it and kind of just made it seem like right. something else, you know, and just you know kind of yeah. repackaged it a little <laughs> yeah. bit, maybe. Um. But no, um, but yeah, no. So like I started, um, just applying for jobs, you know, and I, and I, I, I got a, um, a interview oh, with wow. Tesla yeah. and that's all I needed. I packed all my shit in my car and drove out to California and I only had an right. interview with but Tesla. But you knew,
0: you knew this was, yeah. you were going to get it. You knew you were going to get the job.
1: I, yeah. kind of, I had a feeling, you know, and I went out there and I interviewed and I dude, I didn't hear nothing back for really? three weeks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, for, I, for sure, for sure. I was like, oh, I didn't get it. And then I got a call back for a second interview. So when I went back for the second interview, I fucking nailed it. I killed it. They are, they loved me. We were in their bullshit and joking around. I was like, okay, I got this. That's awesome. And they hired me. Yeah. So I, I just got hired in as uh, just a regular warehouse worker. I was working on the docks. Um, and then after like a year and a half, I, uh, I worked my way up to uh, something a position called a logistics coordinator. Um, so now I'm not. You know, now I'm just telling people what to do. Now I'm not actually doing the work. Now I'm kind of just like, you know, making sure everything's, you know, being run right. Um, and then I, you know, I hurt my back really bad at Tesla and when I was out, I had to go through physical Oof. therapy. Yeah, it was bad, man. Like it's I, I wasn't playing around trying right. to get a check. Right. You know what I mean? Like I wish that was the case, but it was it was some of the worst pain I'd ever experienced in my entire life. And, uh, I had to go f- physical therapy. I had to go chiropractor. I dude, I was going acupuncture. I was anything I could do. And when the pain finally went away and I was done with all my therapy and everything, I was just like, I can't go back to right. labor. I'm not, I can't, I can't work a regular
0: right. job anymore. I mean, you, you know, can't put yourself and, and your body in that position again.
1: No, I do. I can't, I can't do physical labor anymore. I just, I can't. And, um, that's when in my mind, uh, I, I, I just jumped both feet into tattooing. And I just was like, I have to make this uh, well, work for I'm fa- me. Fa- so I'm fascinated
0: to. to get into tattooing, but right before I'm, I'm still curious about the resume, like considering what you kind of just laid out as, you know, your resume <laughs> on this podcast, what, what did you fandangle into your resume that was able to, you know, even just get a first interview, you know, with Tesla? Like what, what did you say that you were doing for all those years?
1: Right. So I lied and I said I had worked for uh, XPO logistics for like eight and a half years or something like that. Um and you know, I understand, like I said, I understand logistics. I understand um, you know, how even in the automotive industry, uh, I understand how all the logistics run. So even when they even when they tried to ask me questions, like I just knew how to answer the questions. You know, like I know what a bill of lading is, you know, like, okay. I understand, you know, uh cycle counts, I know what cycle counting is, I know what you know, uh, quality control, uh, protocols are for, you know, I know what the, the, um, the quality, uh, M.S. standards are. And I got all the certifications, which I didn't, but I made it look like I had all the certifications and everything like that. And where that. did you so, learn this? You know, where did you learn all I've that? Been, um, just random, uh, logistics jobs okay. throughout the years, you know, just going and working in warehouses when I didn't have money or something like that. I go and like, go to like a day labor place and they would send me out to like a warehouse and, I'd work in a warehouse for like three months, unloading trucks with a forklift, and you know, and like I said, like I told you earlier on, I just retain right. information. You know, my brain is like a sponge; I soak it up, and I just I don't absorbs forget it. Things, so,
0: and so then, yeah, you know, yeah, moving on, yeah. and I don't know if you're only listening to this. Uh, John has a healthy amount of tattoos <laughs> all over him.
1: I'm completely yeah. covered. my entire head, my neck, my hands. A hundred percent. A hundred percent saturation. He's in
0: yeah. the uh, shaved, uh, maybe bald guy's club uh, with me. So, you know, it's, it's everywhere, man. You're committed yeah. to it.
1: Oh, no, I can grow a, a beautiful oh, yeah? head of hair. You're shaved or then. Not. Yeah. I just choose not to because the tattoos yeah. are really I mean, good. they look
0: pretty intense from, from right yeah. here. Um, uh, And so, you know, then you decided that you needed to jump into the tattoo world. Um, And this is really
1: that was going to be it for me. That was, I knew that that was my key to the rest of my life. You know, I knew that uh, I was going to be able to live the life that I wanted tattooing. And I just knew that I had to make it, um, well, because there's a
0: market for it now. It's like, it's, it's something almost everybody has, and maybe not everybody, but the younger generations, it seems like it's something that is becoming very more, much more pro prolific, prolific, such more prolific, a lot more prolific. Um, prevalent more prevalent that's what i was more prevalent
1: for. yeah in today's society you know you're you're absolutely right and um you know and like i said now we have the celebrity tattoo artist mm-hmm. you know and you've got all the shows on tvs and you've got you know you've got i have a i tattoo 86 year old really? grandmothers now
0: that's pretty wild
1: you know? oh yeah you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe so now it's like so now tattooing's really take really off, you know and i'm not I, at this point i wasn't really like good good but I was good enough. Like I had been tattooing since like 2002.
0: Really? Were you tattooing like yourself or where was this yeah, in like, the story? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I, My legs okay. were my learning. <laughs> I, my, ta- my legs are tattooed from my ankles all the way to my knees. Uh, and oh, I yeah. did it all myself. Wow. And like, I, yeah, so I had done my first tattoo in like 2002. And I had been tattooing all the way up until this. Not, like I said, I wasn't like really, really good. Like you see these guys can just do amazing. Like I wasn't at that point yet, but I was good enough. To go and you know to really try to get the job done a to make it happen, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm Hell fucking yeah, killing it. But you Good know, you. back then, where
0: are you at? Where's yeah. your shop at?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm in here Indianapolis? in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm working. I'm just working okay. at a shop out here right now. Cool. Do you, what's your like yeah. plan with that?
0: Do you just does it just energize you to get up in the morning, go tattoo, and
1: yeah? Um, Honestly, dude, this whole YouTube thing has been really. uh, has really just completely changed right. my life. Um, I, you know, I, I, we haven't gotten to that part of the, of the story yet. We're oh, kind yeah. of skipping skipping ahead a little bit. So well then let's
0: well well. So then your so tattoo, anyway, and then did you start putting things on YouTube? Because I found you on YouTube through like your interviews.
1: Right. So, I um. So I moved from I was living in San Francisco, and I quit working for Tesla, and I moved okay. to Los Angeles. And so I moved to Los Angeles to become a tattooer. Now, in this period of time between living in San Francisco and moving to Los Angeles. uh, My book got published. Okay. Sweet. Okay. Now my books is my books published and you know, it's, it's circulating online and it's, it's doing pretty well for itself. Actually. Um, Some investigative journalist who writes for people magazine uh, was trolling the internet, looking for interesting stuff, you know, to, for whatever reason to interview or write stories about, they came across my book. Uh, they read the synopsis, uh, and then they ordered the book. Read the book. Um, now, this investigative journalist just happens to be partners with uh, another gentleman who is who owns a production company. Now, what they do is they create. Um, they have an independent production company together, and then they make right. documentaries, and then they sell those documentaries to you know Hulu, Netflix, HBO, gotcha. those types of deals. So they reach out uh, like around 2017, 2018 to me uh, and kind of pitch the idea to me that they want to maybe possibly film a documentary, you know, so that's, that's, that's all going on in the background now. And so I moved down to LA and I'm, I'm tattooing, I'm becoming a tattoo artist. Now I keep getting these phone calls and I'm now it's, it's picking up steam. Uh, The ideas are getting bounced around. It's, it's been the, uh, the idea has been pitched to a few other people and they're super excited about it. They read the book um they set up a date for me to come down to florida it was like a year back later to florida <laughs> and back to florida they they flew me down to florida and they had like an airbnb uh, for like five or six days it was this giant mansion uh and we basically filmed what ended up being a sizzle what's reel. a sizzle reel so it's um proof of concept so say you want to pitch an idea to like a major um uh you know film um production company uh you have to have proof of concept so instead of like filming the whole thing on your own you film just like what essentially gets boiled down to three to five minutes of just really good content of you know a beginning a middle and an end this is what we can do this is proof of concept then you take the sizzle reel and you shot and then shop that around to say netflix hulu hbo you know then you Get contracts, get a budget, and then film the whole fucking thing, and make you know whatever the production's going to be. Gotcha, makes sense. Thing. Um, so
0: you got you're in Florida, yeah. You're so shooting six days. You're in a mansion. We filmed this sizzle
1: a um, shot six days in a mansion. I was, you know, we did, uh, you know, a lot of interviews. I basically just told my whole story, just how I did now, but in way, you know, as you can understand, way For more sure. depth and detail, and um. So when this goes on, um, I get an interest from uh, Concrete, um, the Concrete Podcast. Now I go on the Concrete Podcast and I tell my story, um, and it goes viral. Interesting, you know, gets like half a million views or something. Okay,
0: hell yeah, five hundred
1: sixty thousand views or something. And then uh, they somebody talked me into starting my own YouTube channel. Like right when that went viral, we like, listen, man, you need, people are interested in what right. you have to say. People were interested in your story. Uh, you have charisma, you know, you know, people, uh, they just like you. They like, they want to see you. I dude, I had never been on camera at this point. I don't come from that generation. Right. You know what I mean? I'm an eighties baby. Um, you know, I didn't even understand social media or, or anything like that. So I got out of prison. Like it wasn't even a thing. So I'm not one of these kids that's used to being in front of the phone. It's weird when so you start was...
0: out, like seeing yourself on camera.
1: Dude, I didn't. I don't like the way my voice sounds. I didn't like the way I looked. I was super self conscious. I was like, you know, I, I, I would be embarrassed. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, even if I was by myself recording myself, I'd be embarrassed. And I wouldn't be able to. No, right. I don't give a fuck. You know, I, I in it's front just of the camera. Natural. It's because I've been doing yeah, it. You just got to keep year. doing
0: it. It builds out yeah, that um, like callus, that camera callus. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Exactly. And um, so now um, I'm like, well, man, maybe there is something to this. So I launched my YouTube channel um, November of two thousand and twenty-one or something like that. Uh, it was like a year ago, two years, a year, a year, no, a, a year in a few months, and then I just started getting subscribers. Okay, like my subscribers just started going crazy, and then that concrete uh, uh, podcast went viral. Uh, and then all of a sudden, all these other people started reaching out to me and they wanted to, I was flying out every weekend. I was going to Dallas. I was going to uh, New York to do podcasts. I was flying down to Florida to do podcasts. Uh, I was flying out to California to do That's podcasts. Wild. And before you know it, before you know it, I'm at all these podcasts online with all these interviews. And then, so I'm getting, I'm funneling all of those, uh, people into my own. So, you know, so my subscriber rate just keeps going up and up and up. And then I'm like, well, fuck, I love yeah. this. I'm having fun. This is great. You know, I get to just jump on here and, and, and I'm getting all, you know, I get all these people reaching out, uh, asking questions and they're just interested in my story. And, you know, um, so I'm like, well, maybe there's something to this, you know? So then I just start making videos, you know, about just random subjects, you know, about how it'd be successful and about, you know, just positivity and the law of attraction and how, you know, just the the, the universal, I, I start making, just going deep and just making all these videos yeah. and just posting them. You know, and I started out with just a cell phone, uh, a shitty uh, cell phone, right. in my car.
0: Right. It just yeah, you, you just videotape yourself and just talking.
1: That was it. And then uh, I went from that to and I built a professional uh, YouTube studio in downtown okay. Phoenix. I had moved from LA to Phoenix, uh, and I built a professional studio, you know, triple camera setup with professional lighting and everything in Phoenix. And I was like, I'm gonna fucking take this serious. And for a year in Phoenix, I just pretty much just lived in the studio every day, and I just you know made content every day. I did interviews and uh, yeah, just just YouTube completely consumed my life. So I was you know I'm working in a tattoo shop during the day all day, and I would get off uh, ten o'clock at night, and I would go straight to the to the studio, and I would just you know create content, edit videos, and you know do all that shit until twelve oh, yeah, o'clock in the morning. And that's what I've been doing. I've been doing that for maybe like the past two years yeah, or so.
0: You still loving it? Still loving that? Yeah.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah. I put out, uh, I put out a podcast every yeah, Tuesday dude. now, every Tuesday. Good for you, man. Faithfully.
0: Good for you. Yep. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I dig it, man. I dig it, you know? And then, um, we're working on contracts right now with a, with like a major, you know, major player. You sure. know, I can't say I'm under contract, so I can't really say too much. Um, you know, but things are starting to happen right now. So this thing is, it's hell. Yeah. The man. wheels are moving. It's going to get man. made.
0: I'm happy to hear know? that.
1: Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. So you know, when that happens for me, um, I'm sure my YouTube channel is going to hopefully take off, and I can just continue to do my podcast. And you know, I'm going to build another, uh, a bigger studio uh, this time. You know, put a Hell little yeah, more man. money into it, and yeah, I want to. I want to do uh, you know long format uh, interviews, and that's my future, I think. You know, and and hopefully I'll have uh, my own little private tattoo studio. Has the have... you know, so that's 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 where everything's going. Have you now, seen like uh,
0: like from all this kind of blowing up? You're people wanting to come to you for tattoos more often like
1: oh i got people fly in yeah from other states like just just from watching just from like fans oh, yeah? of my podcast uh yeah they fly out yeah they fly out and get tattooed by me I've that's had it sick man times where the guys will fly out and book a whole oh, really
0: thing. just to do a whole like big masterpiece yeah, on oh, them yeah. kind of thing
1: yeah and uh, another youtuber who has a channel called american meat man um real cool dude out of gatlinburg tennessee uh, he actually uh drove was driving through uh Indiana a couple weeks ago and stopped and me and him chopped it up and I tattooed him and That's super cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, this thing is taking on a whole fucking life of its own, man. Like I it, where I'm at right now on this on this trajectory, um I never in a million years thought that what, I would what ever What do you think made You know what I mean? What do you He's think like created
0: doing. that whole like shift, right? That whole shift from um you know, in between Tesla and the and the tattooing, was it was it putting your book together that kind of like really was that, that piece of the puzzle that unlocked all this?
1: Yeah. You know, it was um it was really just a book getting published and, and people, you know, because to me, my life is my life and I don't really see anything extraordinary about my life. But when other people read about my life and my story and everything that I've been through, um, apparently it's like, "What yeah. the fuck?" You know what I mean? It's like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! This is incredible!" Which to me, it's just you know, it's it's just it's my just normal every life, day and you know. But I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's just a lot of interest surrounding my whole you know circumstance, my story, my life, my journey. Um, and it's just gone crazy, man. Like I, I do, I wake up to 20 or 30, uh, DMS on Instagram really? almost every morning, you know, about people like, Oh yeah, I watched one of your interviews and, uh, just want to say, you know, I, it's an interesting story. I mean, I, I, you know, hopefully you're doing good. And, you know, I got people that send me pictures of themselves, like reading my book from like Austria and like Australia, yeah, and, man. you know, so just, just my story has reached so many people all over the world. It's, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely. And, it, and I mean, it, you it's get a crazy. sense
0: of. I mean, maybe I'll position it as more of a question is like, do you get a sense of like kind of fulfillment or joy that people are like learning from your past and your experiences?
1: Yeah, yeah it's wild. Um, any way I can help people, I, I'm willing to do so. You know, I, and I thought about taking this okay. one or two directions. I could be that guy that's like, I could teach everybody how to do fraud and and, and give tutorials and be that guy right. online, you know, and because and, and, I got yeah. the clout. Cause to all these kids doing it now, I was I'm the right. OG, I'm the goat, and I get the I get the goat emoji really? all the time from these kids who think that I'm somebody. Oh, nah. you have no idea because anytime you go to research credit card fraud online, really? it all points to me. My inter my interviews, my tutorials, my fucking book, my 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 U- my YouTube. Uh, okay, like I'm, I'm the guy like online when it comes to credit card fraud and like for the past twenty years. I'll be honest, I had no idea. Me. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, if you do any kind of research, like if you're like right, right right now, if you try to get into credit card fraud and you just go online and research it,
0: it's my like name's John Bosiak, right here.
1: Yeah, John Bosiak, you know, and it's not even, and right. I'm not bragging about that. You know what I mean? Like but I don't, just, I don't give a fuck about. it.
0: It's that. the crowd like, that, that a, attracts to you, right? It's just, it's like someone searches it, then they just fall into the John Bosiak like kind of,
1: and they go down the John right, Bosiak, right, right? And bowl. then yeah. they
0: hear about your life, and so then you know, what is it? like if someone comes to you, right. And they're like, Oh, like, you know, I'm getting into credit card fraud. Like you're the man, like, this is so awesome. What is your kind of take on, like, how do you position that? Right. Like, how do you navigate that conversation?
1: Um, I try and I ask a few questions to kind of gauge where they're at with the knowledge and in the process. And if they're only like trying to figure it out and trying to learn about it, I try and just tell them things to yeah. like deter them. You know, like listen, man, I, I when I first got into it, I lost thousands of dollars. Right. Okay. I got ripped off and scammed for thousands of dollars. Enough to make anybody right. else quit. But because I'm so goddamn hard headed, I right. just didn't give up. You know. Um and, and 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 I also try to explain to these kids that it's not how it is twenty when I was doing it twenty years ago, it's not the same thing. Like they're just you're not gonna find the same amount of success success with this as I did. Everything's so tracked. Know? So I I just try and let them know yeah, I was like, listen, it's not the same world. I was like, there's just so much more um things, you know, put into place now to stop kids from committing fraud, to stop the right. credit card fraud. And I was like, you know, I was like, listen, and, and I was like, you go to you go to jail for this now. They're not playing any games. They're trying to make examples right, out of
0: people. Right. They they want it to stop yeah. because it's so prevalent. Yeah.
1: Because it's so prevalent now. You kinda got lucky, so, you
0: got lucky in those regards. Yeah, I just l-
1: Yeah. i I really did. i mean you know
0: considering it was a fluke and everything like you know it's so bizarre you know if if you kind of just look at it super fast right if you just look at like the headlines or something it's like oh he only got 24 24 months for you know 3.5 million 5 million Mm. whatever that final number is yeah but in reality you got you got kind of got saved from you know what was it 115 months like that's
1: Yeah, there was, like I said, there was just a series of random events that led to my outcome, you know, and that's not, would never be a never, I wouldn't expect that to ever be a a normal set of circumstances for anybody else that was, you know, going into the, going into the same thing with the same charges, right? you know? So, you know, like I said, I got super lucky uh, and these kids now, like, they're not playing around with this shit now. If you get caught for credit card fraud now, they're throwing the book at you.
0: You're You're done.
1: So like, it just, it just, the risk isn't worth the reward, in my opinion. Now uh, the, the, the money just isn't in it anymore now. And I tell these kids that, you know, I, I tell two or three kids a week, you know, they're all hitting me up, trying to, trying to get some information from me or trying to, you know, learn something. It's just like, listen, man, it's not, it's
0: is there not anything the you thing? tell them to kind of like push them down a more, I guess, a con- legal, a constructive legal route, as opposed to like scams?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I give him. a says, listen, man, none of this shit is easy. I was like, all of this shit is extremely difficult to do. And it requires, you know, it requires patience. It requires uh, dedication. It requires, um, you know, uh, self-discipline. I was like, none of this shit's easy. It's not dope money. I try to play. It's not like you're going to go and get buy a bag for $20 and sell it for 40. I was like, right. that's not how this works. You know what I mean? I was like, there's a lot of effort that goes into this shit and you, and you're still not guaranteed success. You might as well
0: yet. start in a regular business. I was like,
1: so why not? Right, So I was like, well, why not take that same amount of energy and drive and and determination and invest it into something that's legal? Because I was like, listen, you know, these kids don't understand is there's there's just so many more opportunities available now than there was when I was a kid. You know, with all the social media and and what's essentially free marketing, I mean, you could build a brand around anything now. You could learn how to code. You can, you know, you could do shit on fiber. There's just so many different little hustles online that are available now that weren't back then. So if you take that same amount of drive and effort and discipline and just, you know, invest it into like Amazon FBA or drop shipping, you know what I mean? Or any one yeah. of those fucking, I
0: tried drop shipping. You know, yeah, I tried. Dro- so and I try that's to- funny about your stories that remind me about drop shipping and it's no easy feat in and of itself. Yeah. You know, you, you have all these people, these people are yeah. like, Oh, you can do it in like, you know, I'm making ten million, ten thousand $10,000 a month and I'm doing it within a year. It's like, nah, it's not, maybe they got lucky or something, but.
1: Well, yeah, they had 40000 to invest right. initially.
0: They failed. You know what and, I mean? And all, yeah. yeah. So,
1: yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but you know, I just, like I said, I try and put kids on, you know, like just there's so many more avenues to take now that like, you know, it doesn't even make sense right. to do fraud anymore. It just right. doesn't and make I, sense. I mean, that's
0: so powerful too, that you're you're at least on the other side of it now too, where you're able to kind of, See people that are going down that path that you kind of were going down, and able to kind of nudge them and be like, "No, no, go go this way a little bit," you know.
1: Yeah, kind of get them back on that path. Yeah, I I just try and help help the kids out, man. You know, because I, 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 when I was a teenager, I didn't have anybody putting me down, anything positive. You know, so now if any any kid reaches out to me now, I just try and you know, I keep it real with them. You know what I mean? Like I, I. You know, and I keep it real. Like, but I also try and be like, listen, dude. You know, there's others, there's other ways. There's other ways. You know what I mean? You don't want to go down that path unless unless they're already you know both feet in it, and they're talking to me like they know what they're doing. Then it's like, okay, well, I'll give you some advice. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like
0: don't do I mean? it. <laughs> like, you stop when you can. Man, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, because that's what I was gonna ask you as well. Is like you were you're talking about if people are just starting, but if I guess people are at the point of scaling it up, like where. Where kind of is that? Where do you come in at that? Because I mean, I don't, I have no idea what the law is, but at some point, or do you become liable if you start helping people commit fraud?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't really think so. I, you know, I, I, as long as I tell people, listen, man, I don't want to know any specifics of anything you're doing. You know what I mean? Don't tell me the who, what's, the why's, the where's, the when's. You know, I, I tell people right away, like I don't want to know, because I don't want to be incriminated. But it's like if you have some questions for me that maybe I can give you some advice or point you in the right direction, then I I'll, I'm willing yeah. to do that. Um, and even that's probably fucking bad, but I don't. That's just
0: this is where you're at. You shit. just don't care anymore. It's
1: just where I'm at. With, yeah. It's just where I'm at with it, man. Because like I said, I'm still a cool motherfucker. You know what I mean? It's like I still I still respect people that are doing that are out here doing this shit. It's not like I'm looking down on these kids because I was at that point at one point in time too. You know what I mean? And if I could help you you know, make a better decision to stay out of prison or, you know, help you out a little bit. It's still, I still feel like I'm doing something.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you, did you kind of, yeah. I mean, and I guess that's the end goal, right. Is to try to help them stay out of prison or to help them find the right path. Or I guess it's like, well, to say the right path is so different per person.
1: I mean, everybody's on their own journey. Everybody's on their own fucking journey, man. So wherever they're going, they're going regardless of, of what I have to see. You know what I mean? So and if I can make that a little bit easier for you uh, with a little bit less headache, then because it kind I'm of like speeds up so.
0: the process or at least just gets you a little closer to wherever that destination is that you're getting.
1: Whatever goal, whatever they're chasing, right. it gets you there. It
0: helps you like realize yeah. that like kind of on the other side of things almost. That's awesome, exactly. man. Um, Damn. Well, <laughs> I'm kind of out of questions. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Pretty well. Oh, yeah. The cats getting involved, the, the spear cat. He knows it's probably time to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, John! Well, I really appreciate it. Um, usually at this point, I leave the floor open to you. If there's anything you want to encourage people to do, or advice you give people, or you know promotions, I'm gonna grab all your links after we get off and throw them down below. So cool. you know, floor's yours. Cool.
1: Um. Yeah. No. You know. It's just like I tell everybody. Um. There's always another way. You know, I deal with a lot of mental health issues. I deal with a lot of uh, depression, anxiety, um, you know, so some days I just, they're really bad, man. And I just, I understand, so I understand, I think a little bit better than most, what a lot of people are going through, you know what I mean? When they have those dark days and when they're just going through depression uh, or even when they're like just committing crime or they're on just some wild path. Um, you know, I just tell everybody, you know, just take, take a second to, to sit back and evaluate everything that's going on in your life. And if you feel like there's decisions that you can make to, to make your life better then you know, you have to pursue. Is there anything
0: you do to like now knowing your history and obviously not wanting to repeat it? Is there anything that you do when you, like do you notice certain emotions come up or anything that you kind of recognize and you're like, okay, I need to, channel that into something else, or I need to do X, Y, and Z to get this emotion out of me.
1: Yeah. Um, so I I have an issue with like secular negative thoughts. Um, whenever I'm like going through a depression or whatever, it's just like, I get locked on to like a certain like negative thought or a series of negative thoughts. (laughs) All right. We're not doing this today, buddy. And, um, so, you know, and when i get locked into that that secular um just just like uh, that crazy way of thinking it's like oh, i forgot where i was at now i've got lost in my thoughts like how do you um, how do you
0: get out of those thoughts how do you
1: you know yeah, that's a good question man exercise um the treadmill for me is just one of those things where if I'm, like, real deep down in depression, I'll go jump on the treadmill um, and just, you know, run five miles. And uh, I know physically overexerting yourself and just tiring your body out, um, it works magic, man, with the brain. Uh, you know, sometimes coming out the other side of like it, a really just tough workout. Um, it, it just changes the chemistry in the brain, you know, and it just allows you to maybe be more optimistic. And, and I know at least it does for me yeah, anyway. no, I you know, so exercise is always, always just been my my uh, outlet for uh, any kind of like mental depression or anxiety uh, or anything. I just go to the gym and I work out. Yeah, it I can out.
0: certainly, I can certainly you relate know? to the whole gym aspect because it has actually happened a couple times now where if I go a long stint without doing jujitsu, I'll like be contemplating on something negative or something I need to do, and. I'm like, well, maybe yeah. I should just go to jujitsu and see, you know, I'll make a decision. I'll be like, all right, I need to go to jujitsu. I go to jujitsu and the decision flips. It's like, no, nah, you definitely shouldn't be doing that. It like, you know, it has that energizing like clearance that like gets you more focused yep. on, you know, the bigger picture yeah. almost.
1: Yeah, I agree. And for running. me, it's always been running. I don't know why I, I, um, you know, I just like to run, man. I'll go and I'll run, you know, three, four or five miles. And, uh, at, at the very end of that, you know, it's just like, it's a complete right. attitude adjustment. And I mean, you know, uh, it's a complete, uh, just, uh, a, 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 a mind change. It changes the frame. Of I had mind a girl right?
0: on here, uh, episode 17, she talks about how movement's just so important. And for her, it was like dancing. And so it seems like it's just, you know, to hear you kind of echo it. It's like, you know, just some sort of movement, you know, it's might just different for everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, cool. Um. Go ahead. You know, you want it, say something.
1: No, I was just talking about, you know, like exercising, uh, changes the cortisol levels in the, in the body, you know, which changes to chemistry in the brain. And it's, you know, it's, we are just walking chemistry uh, <laughs> lab experiments. That's basically, that's basically what we are. It's all, it's all, you know, uh, synapses and, you know, connections in the brain and body chemistry. And, you know, uh, so you, you just have to learn how to, to all hack right. all of that. You know it's just like a computer you have to learn how to uh you know hack all of these systems to find some kind of balance kinda of like set yourself your up
0: for the best like i guess possible outcome right
1: I, I, yeah, optimization. Optimization. you have to optimize you have to optimize your life you know your your physical your mental, and then your environment it all right. plays a role you know I wake up every morning I, I make my bed the first thing i do even if I'm not doing anything for the day, i make up i wake up i make my bed. Uh, I take a shower, I brush my teeth. I eat the same breakfast every single morning. I go to the gym, I take my vitamins and I I don't do anything else with my day until all of that is out there.
0: I I think that's so powerful. I think the the whole morning routine is so powerful and hell, maybe even a night routine, but I know morning routine for sure. Like just
1: you're, you're setting yourself up for success for the day you know, you're, you're, you're kicking in that motivation. You're, you're, you're accomplishing tasks. So you, you're already starting out the day with this feeling of accomplishment that, okay, I'm doing things. I'm, I'm moving around. I'm getting the
0: energy flowing. It's, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I just like, I just, you know, you have to find some kind of balance in life. And I think that's just the most important thing to being successful. It's just, just to find some kind of fundamental balance in your life and have some kind of routine and just, and just go with
0: the flow of it. You know, make it happen because i remember it. even when we were having our, uh, our our meet and greet you were like oh yeah like uh you know we'll we'll do it at this time because uh then i'll have like my run and my vitamins in and we'll be out of it and ready to go and i was like yep that yeah. that yeah. sounds like the move yeah that's it well man. damn john i appreciate you for coming on spending time wow did not feel like two and a half hours yeah. but here we are <clears throat>
1: two hours 35 yeah man you know um it's been a while since i've yeah. done one of these actually so uh hell yeah kind of felt good just to sit down and and and, and do one I'm of glad these things i really you know,
0: go back in. into it I, i'm i honored i mean especially hearing your story and everything <clears throat> excuse me super mm-hmm. excited to see that documentary come out um
1: yeah oh oh, oh yeah so um let me go plug yeah, all my i'm gonna i'm gonna drop links here. but uh, you know
0: by all means tell people where to find you
1: okay um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my personal page is Slum by Nature. That's S-L-U-M-B-Y-N-A-T-U-R-E on Instagram. Uh, my tattoo page is boziak.ink. That's B-O-S-E-A-K dot I-N-K on Instagram. That's all my tattoo work. If you want to book with me, if you want to see uh, any of my art, I post everything there. Um, I'm also on Facebook, John Boziak. And then, um, of course, my YouTube channel is uh, Boziak Conundrum. Uh, you know, and like I said, I release uh, a weekly podcast there. Uh, I also am doing some vlogging stuff, me and my girlfriend. So we got the whole Patreon uh, if you want to head over there at Boziac Conundrum at Patreon. And uh, yeah, I'm just I love I'm it. doing it all. I man. love making it. All the moves. Just
0: keep doing it, right? The daily grind. Well, guys, yes, thanks sir. again. You heard it from the man. Um, you know, you'll find those links down below. Uh, other than that, I hope you learned something. Um, I appreciate you guys tuning into this podcast. Thanks for sticking in there. If you learned anything interesting, highly suggest you share it. Please leave a review. Other than that, let's grow together.
2: Awesome.